0: Maybe we should throw in an air horn every now and then. <laughs> like a hockey? Can yeah. we score a goal? Good topic, trail. <laughs> Get an air horn. <laughs> oh, nice. We have an air horn. You just did one? I
1: was a little disappointed. I wanted to hear it back.
0: Our podcast is now it's going to fail Yeah. because of the air horn. From
1: the air horn. It's just you and I today, Brady. Yeah, it's just, just the homies. We were joking earlier. We think we should we should call this the, the, the what'd you Treat- call it? uh, trade, the trade podcast That sparked me. I was thinking about tradeo tradeo. Did yep. you ever listen to tradeo?
0: Yeah. So, so you know, the tradeo thing. So when I used to be a, uh, doing fisheries research work in uh, good old Eastern Montana. We used to listen to tradeo every morning and the people who call in mm-hmm. to tradeo. Pure gold. I, I could be friends with them in some weird way. Like I probably want to hang out with them all the time, mm-hmm. but, uh, like people just, sell a randomest thing like a, a rim off a tire a rim off a car like a pontoon boat pon- <laughs> pontoon boats are always <laughs> really good yeah. yeah goats i've heard goats before yeah.
1: that's funny i used to listen to at the same time so yeah. I was, yeah when i was doing uh, sage grouse collar studies for yeah. the forest service that's what i would listen to because we, a-
0: we had to listen to am radio because there was no FM out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like we're driving to these sites to go sample some fish and like just nothing going on. There was
1: no podcast downloading. No podcast back then. I remember I had like a little, it was like a little Sony radio. Had an AM, FM. That was it. It was about this big. Yeah. And you plug your, your microphone, your, your head your headset into it. I'd stick that thing in the top of the Bobcat when I was working on it, so I'd listen to AM radio. Just jamming. Some Tradio. So yeah, today we got the Tradio show. The Tradio
0: show. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what we're going to get into, but it's going to be really golden. We have a lot. I mean, we have topic ideas, but we might go all sorts of different ways.
1: Yeah. We should say we're missing Lorenzo today because Lorenzo's got a little, what, food poisoning maybe?
0: Food poisoning maybe, yeah. Yeah.
1: Some bad bad sushi. It's
0: not a good time to have uh, food poisoning because we were going to talk about Lorenzo's stone sheep hunt. Yeah, because he's got coming up.
1: When does he leave? This it's got to be what this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like literally this, <laughs> this weekend.
0: weekend. Yeah, that's why he can't go to the Cam Haines event with us.
1: Yeah, that's right. Brady and I will be on the road.
0: Yeah, we're going to uh, Eugene, Oregon this yep. weekend. You ever been that. to Eugene. No, never been to Janine. I've been, never I've, flown in to Janine. <laughs> I know I can't talk right it's not now. Is that your date next yeah. week? Yeah. <laughs> Janine. Yeah. Never. I don't think n-
1: Janine is a name that that people are named anymore. Like the, I don't think there's any babies being named Janine. I might name a dog that. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we're headed to uh, Eugene end of the week this week, Friday, right? Yeah. We're going to give a bunch of
0: seminars, the mm. same seminar four times. Uh, we're trails talking about application strategies, all sorts of different state by state breakdown, bonus points, preference points, random draw. I'm doing a little bit of in-depth e-scouting, mapping research, kind of tips and tactics. And, uh, we're not doing any of the events though, trail. Why is that?
1: Cause I'm soft. <laughs> I, uh, I had, a, actually this is a true story. I had Omar works here. Yeah. He came up. Uh, I want to say it was two Saturdays ago to get a bow set up. So he, he left, I think he left Vegas at three in the morning, drove up. He was at my house about seven, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, we set up his bow, but when he, when he came, I was like, Oh, just bring your running shoes. We'll go for a run. And then, you know, he's, what 20 how old is he 25 26 20, yeah, he? Like he runs all the time he probably runs but he's run 50 miles a week i'd bet
0: yeah i think i think on the on the bear hunt we discussed that i'm like 10 years older than him yeah so he's he's about that i'm,
1: I'm almost double his age i know yeah. that but i i thought oh, i'll take him on a little seven mile loop and you I, run all the time i do run all the time but i also noticed because when we first got out he was like uh oh you don't you don't pack a phone no no watch i was like nope don't don't time any of it, don't care. Yeah, you're not worried about pace. I just no, not really. I just run to like where I'm kind of maxed out. You know, I can do it. I don't want to run like outside myself. But that mm-hmm. morning, because I got Omar there, I'm like, I'm gonna teach this young buck a thing or two, you okay. know? Okay. So the first couple miles, probably three miles, I probably ran outside myself a little bit. And we summited, hit the hit the top of the peak that I like to run. And I was thinking, shit, I got three and a half, three more miles here, and like I'm I'm a little bit gassed. So it was it was kind of tough. It was kind of a tough loop for me. But after that I thought man, you know what? I I really got to rein in the old diet. I got to start really <laughs> start really getting a little bit more serious. So ever since then, which I think I'm about 2 weeks at this point, clean diet, just fruits, veg, meat and you see, you no, just- no sugar. Other than I don't know, this has probably got some artificial. I'm very spoilers, proud of you. It. No sugar. I know, yeah, no sugar. I, I know
0: everyone knows my hate hatred towards sugar. And yeah, fake no. sugars and all that stuff.
1: No sugar at all, and uh, been kind of raining in the calories. I've lost some pounds. And hey, you told me you're
0: now a large shirt.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. I was teetering on on an XL there for a minute. I saw some video of me running actually, and that's what that was another part of this. I was just like, oh, I'm kind of fat. Mm. I'm kind of. Uh, I'm kind of not kind of not where that, I want to be. I know? think you're still you're a young pup in my eyes. All all that to say. That's probably why I'm, we're not. I'm not doing the event, the run. Yeah,
0: and, and it's just hard. I think it's hard <laughs> to do both. <laughs> no,
1: not not saying the event's
0: hard. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's hard to pre, we have to present for, for four and a half, five hours on the middle of Saturday. We're flying there Friday night. And then if we stayed there on Sunday for the other part of the event, it'd be pretty tough for you to get back home. Cause you have to fly back into Vegas and then drive back to Cedar.
1: Yeah. Looking at flights, it would have put me back in Cedar that night fairly late and that would be all, all weekend. And then right back to work on Monday. Uh, I try to save all my, uh, my leave days so that I can invest them in a hunting season.
0: That's, I don't, I'm all don't, for that. I don't
1: typically take, take days off unless I absolutely have to.
0: But speaking of running though, mm-hmm, what do you think? What's your thoughts on uh, the old sweaty hat club <laughs> that we got going on?
1: <laughs> the sweaty hat club. I want to know. Well, I mean, I'll give you my thoughts in a sec, but give me the, give me the origins. What's what's up with the sweaty hat club? So I can't, I can't remember started, that. I can't remember who exactly
0: started it. It might've been Scott. Scotty? I think so. Scotty
1: too Hottie started the sweaty I hat club? I think it was club? the first
0: person who posted about it. it I don't know if it was Paul. It might've, might've been Paul, Z- but like we were posting some of our workout stuff and no one was like saying things, you mm-hmm. know? Then someone at one point said, it's a sweaty hat club and like did the hashtag thing. I think I thought the hashtag should have been sweaty hat club. All, want, all, all one once. Just one word, sweaty hat club. Yeah, but it became sweaty
1: hat. Oh, so now it's just sweaty hat.
0: But it's a, but it's a club. Like you asked me one point, you sent if, me a text, is it a club a or, team, or a team? Yeah, a team or a club. And, it's, and a, I think a club is more exclusive because. I feel like a team you have is more exclusive. You have to, well, you have to pay your dues to be in a club. You, you
1: got to make the team though.
0: Well, the only the only <laughs> the only dues for the club club is anybody paid in can sweat. join. <laughs> you, you have to be paid in sweat. So anyone who's out there working hard and it became like a motivational thing. Like we we're always trying to keep ourselves accountable sure. by doing cool stuff. And it's like, yeah, not trying to say like, oh, we're just working out all the time, yeah. but it's like trying to help help people motivate and keep us keep us in check for the hunting season. Hunting seasons come up. And then it started to spread outside our core group to now I get tagged in a lot of stuff, Go Hunt's being tagged in a lot of stuff. About the sweaty hat club, just people out there doing stuff, and it's like, you know, Ryan Bailey did one the other day. Bailey did? Yeah, he, he was like mowing his grass. He's like, does this count? And I was yeah, like, yeah, that yes. counts. That, you're you're that's still the, sweaty, that's so it's, the,
1: that's the kind of sweaty hat club I'm 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 up on. You're the you're the dad hat sweaty. Yeah, club. dad hat sweaty sweaty hat club mowing the lawn.
0: So yeah, it's just a transition into motivating people, and we're all super excited for hunting season, and want to you know stay accountable and be the best shape we can be in. And
1: what do you what do you think the reach is of the sweaty hat? Oh, it's it's
0: grown. Like <laughs> I, I, I've been tagged in so many sweaty hat posts. And the funny thing is, like we're starting to see, you know, like, any hat works. But it's nice we're seeing some Gohan hats too. Yeah, and I think it's taken on. Yeah,
1: hmm. I, I mean, I've I've been following along. Seems like
0: he, why are not you particip- Participating? I know you run every single day. Yeah. and you get a sweaty hat every day. But I you're mean, not a social I, guy.
1: I, I do every day. I do. You're just that silent warrior. I mean, I don't know. It might be my age. I you know a you know, little older and I'm just like I don't know. You I, I think at one point I said you know I'm I'm kind of accountable to myself every day anyway. Yeah, I you think work, it, work in the shadows. I think at one point I said you know you ought to be out, you ought to be out having a sweaty hat every day anyway. But uh, I I think it's cool. I've been I've been following along. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You know I, I sent you a pic. You a did. You did.
0: Hat. Yeah, Trails sent me a pics, a picture text message. Yeah, text, not on Instagram. Text, no. It's like does this count as a sweaty hat club yeah and it was his hat drenched mm-hmm. and a bunch of sweat in the yeah. ground or trail wherever it was
1: i've been uh i've been doing a lot more uh the last two weeks a lot more like rucking okay so i got the 50 pound pack loaded up in stone glacier and i've been hitting the treadmill at incline and i'll sweat when i run but if i do four miles mm-hmm. like three miles an hour incline like i am drenched yeah
0: I was thinking about picking up one of those rucking packs.
1: I don't know, man. Like, I, I have some
0: old SG frames I could I could use
1: and throw that's, some, that's some concrete on. I think you get – I just went to uh, Home Depot, and I bought a bag of gravel. Yeah. And I just duct taped that sucker up, you know, so yep. none of them can fall out and just throw it on the load shelf. Would you say the weight was? I think it's 50 pounds. 50 pounds is a lot. 50 pounds feels different when it's that, like, just yeah. dead, dense weight. I will say like the first day on it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, my legs need to get back used to this. The glutes were burning a little bit and I thought, uh, yeah, this is, I should have started this two months ago, but at least I'm doing it now. It feels pretty good and every day it gets easier. So I've been trying to do more of that and less running at this point. Hmm. So, but I've been sweating sweaty
0: hat. That's my problem though right now because i am been trying to gain weight. Everyone knows my whole thing. I'm trying to hit 200 pounds. Did you probably. hit 200? Are you no. still
1: No, you're back down. I'm back down now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at I'm at ai
0: was at 188.9 this morning. Wow. Yeah. So I've been, I've been over 190 for a while. The highest I got was like one ninety four. And uh so I've been running a lot, obviously. I'm still trying to incorporate a bunch of gym workouts mm-hmm. and use my home gym, do a bunch of deadlifts and squats, but like I gotta increase my calories again. Like I love to run, that's my problem. But uh the thing is though, again. I feel like I could I can crush the mountains right now. Like I feel like I'm perfect. <laughs> like I don't know what 200 pounds is going to give me. Being like 190, but being jacked yep. like I am just, right now, like, just more weight
1: to carry around. It's more
0: weight to carry around. More times. I mean, why not? To why not
1: be lean and mean?
0: Yeah, because the other the other weekend I went and uh, summited a peak on Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I only had like you know 15 20 pounds on my back. It was just basically water. I had my camera. Had my Stone Glacier backpack on. But I felt like I flew up that mountain, and I was never tired. Yeah, it's lightweight, so I should be able to go up there, but I felt great. Yeah. Like I'm feeling good this summer. Like all the workouts I've been doing, trying to get nice. into this. Like I'm excited. Gotta keep that sweaty hat club going.
1: Season's coming quick. I, I mean, as you talked about Lorenzo, I can't believe he's leaving on a hunt this week. This is crazy to me.
0: It's, it's insane.
1: It just got real in yeah. a hurry. Yeah. My, uh my archery deer tag in Utah starts the 19th of August, which is only what? Three weeks, I guess. Isn't, isn't it crazy though? Like,
0: how fast the season comes. Summer
1: always flies for me. I was talking to, I had Dirk on my podcast, Dirk Durham, and you know, he, he got out and hung some trail cameras and we were just talking about the summer and how it was going and scouting and you know, like all the preseason prep that goes into getting ready for your season. And it seems like every year I have these big goals of like, Oh, I'm going to scout, you know, 15, 20 days, you know, I'm gonna work out, which I do anyway. And I have been, I've been shooting my bow every day, which is, you know, all that's like in line, but like those always sneak up on me. It's like all yeah. of a sudden it's opening day and like summer just flies by. And it's, it's sad to say, but sometimes I'm like, shit, I wish I had a couple more weeks before my hunt starts. Oh, it's not sad. I always wish, I,
0: yeah. I really do. Cause I'm always never like, so much work stuff goes into before I leave on a hunt. Like it's kind of hard for me to go mm-hmm. on a true hunt because content never rests. And so I have work stuff going on. Obviously I don't have, I'm not married or don't have kids or anything like that. But like, it's just insane. Like I have to prep for all this stuff going on. I'm trying to get my food food dialed Mm -hmm. for all these hunts I'm going on. I gotta try to order food because who knows? You know, spooking to sell out here sometime soon, or make sure I have all my gear dialed.
1: I'm a last minute kind of guy when it comes to food. Yeah, oh, all, yeah. all the it's other like yeah, the last all, night. all the other things, you know, make sure that my bow's dialed, tuned, shooting broadheads, good. You know, all my gear put together and stuff. Foods the, like, foods literally the day before I leave usually. <laughs> yeah. So do you,
0: do you ever uh, like if you have a hunt in two weeks? When are you putting all your gear together?
1: Uh, I would say before I leave on a hunt, probably two to three days before I leave on a hunt yeah, as far as like just, just gear, you know, it
0: kind of stresses me out if I do it too early. Cause then yeah. I, then I worry like that you forgot something, that I forgot something. And then even just, though I have my checklist cause I make those Excel spreadsheets mm-hmm. and I run through everything, but it's like, I don't know. It just feels more exciting to me, staying up super late, grinding through the process and like throwing all my gear and my backpack and then crossing it off and doing it a few days yeah. before.
1: Yeah, a couple days, a couple days usually, and then my food's usually literally the day before I leave, and every time I leave on a hunt, I'm always like, oh, I can't believe I'm going on a hunt tomorrow, like tomorrow's opening day. It just sneaks up on me. But yeah, summer's flying. It's been hot. Have you been scouting? I got some cameras out. Haven't even been back to check them. Uh, I got to get those pulled. Obviously. What was that called? They're soaking. Yeah, they're soaking. That's it. It's <laughs> cam.
0: Yeah, get cams yeah soaking they're, out they're there. marinating mm-hmm. out there.
1: So I don't know. I don't know if there'll be anything on them or not. I got to get them pulled before the first, anyway. So I'll, I'll have to make a trip over there pretty quick. And
0: uh, then, uh, what are you gonna eat? base any of that research on? Like, if you see a buck, what are you going to do?
1: Oh, if if I see a buck. You're going to hone in on that little area and then try to comb it? Sure. If if there's a buck, I'll just camp out. I'm there, you know, until I can find him and kill him. Um, So you try to go put boots on the ground after
0: that fact, after you check the trail
1: cameras? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, usually trail cameras, to me anyway, like trail cameras, just a tool. And really for deer, I I think it's less important for elk because I talked to Dirk about this too. I mean, if you get a a picture of a bull or bulls, you know, July, August, you know, the chances of you finding them and killing him in, you know, September, you you might have like a few days of the first part of September. If you've got a tag that opens up in August, you might have a chance at those bulls. But generally speaking, man, when they start to move and look for cows, I mean, it's really hard to target a bull early season. They really do start to move a ton. So I would say elk is probably a a whole lot less important, but I feel like if I can find a buck in July, uh, you know, muley or August, I can pretty well figure out the glassing points, pick that landscape apart and probably find him through maybe about the first part of October.
0: Yeah. I did notice that on your last podcast. I don't know uh, much about elk, mm-hmm. but uh, that, that, that discussion, you know, seems sound to me. That's yeah. more important for deer, obviously than elk because elk roam around all the place. And
1: it's cool. I mean, it's cool to get a picture of a big bull, Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's damn tough to find a bull once they start cruising for cows.
0: I don't know how many people view your podcast, but I think I'm one of your number one <laughs> fans. Li- all, thanks, listened, thanks for listening, Brady. I listened to all four episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get your views up.
1: Mm. Yeah, you listen to it multiple times so yeah, that like yeah. I get extra.
0: Yeah, different different emails, different logins. Yeah, I
1: don't know how many people are listening. I yeah. guess we'll guess we'll find out. We should start tracking that pretty soon. Yeah, probably should <laughs> find out if it's worth it. Now, here's the thing: is like even if nobody listens, like I'm having a, I'm having a good time talking to people. And that's
0: that's what I like about your podcast. I think you said it in one of your earlier episodes. You just want to kind of have guests on there that you can also learn from. Yeah, and it's fun. I think it's, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, Dirk's always fun to to catch up. He's with. He's hilarious. Yeah, Dirk's a funny dude. Just, <laughs> such a funny guy yeah i think just before we started recording it, he, he had a just absolute zinger and i was bummed yeah. out it wasn't, wasn't hot yet i was bummed out that i didn't give it i wanted to go back but was, he is a funny guy yeah and it was it was interesting to me i listened back to it just to maybe pull some clips and stuff so we could put some up for social but i think at one point he mentioned that he'd been hunting elk or calling elk and, and hunting elk i think he said for 34 30, years yeah, 30 something years yeah and when i was listening to that i thought man I mean, I've been hunting for probably thirty years. I guess you know. I get yeah, exactly thirty years. Actually, today, not today. But Whoa! <laughs> but uh, yeah, thirty years. But as he said that, I thought, man, that's a that's a long time. It's a lot of experience calling mm-hmm. elk. You know. Imagine how many bulls he's touched. Man, with his call and yeah. all those experiences, all yeah. those different techniques he learned. Talk, talk to. Uh, he had some good tips too. He had some things. Just I mean, just little things. I think about it all the. You know, when like when we had uh, Mark. Mark on lives, live say, yep. yeah, and we had Mark on, uh, I went back through and listened to that. And even I, it's like I said, at the end of that podcast, like I'm finding like little tips and tricks just in things he said. Uh, so I definitely need to kind of spruce up my e-scouting game, but the same thing with Dirk talking to him, he mentioned some things that I hadn't really thought of. One of the things that he mentioned, I thought was interesting. And I'll mention it now since, since maybe nobody listened to my podcast, <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll get it here. Um, you know, he, he talked about hunting, like, high-pressure areas and, you know, like an OTC tag in Colorado or oh, Ohio, yes. Idaho, something like that, and he talked about how when you look at a map or you look at an area and you kind of see the jump-off points for people, you know, whether it's a trailhead or you know, a side of the road or something where somebody can, you know, jump off and access an area to hunt elk. And he's like, you know, that's where people, everybody's going to talk to those bulls from those same spots. They're mm-hmm. going to kind of start their calling the same way. And if you think like uh, another hunter, like what makes the most sense for another hunter? Like if this guy was cruising this landscape. What are the areas that he's going to hit? And what areas is he going to call from? Don't do that. Yeah, you know, do the you, opposite. Yeah, do the opposite. Maybe find a different angle on them, you know? Go, go down like, the
0: drainage a little bit in the thick yeah. stuff where you don't, you know, no one wants to drop down that elevation because you have to climb back up again. So yeah. do something different at yeah, the box.
1: Maybe dive into the bottom and call from them from to, to the bottom, you know? See if mm-hmm. you can get them going from a different direction. Because I think. I think he had a good point. I think probably they do get habituated to just hearing calling from the same general areas and they're like, shit, if I go over there, I'm going to run into a hunter and I'm going to have some trouble. So I'm just going to avoid it. Yeah. So that was a, a good little section. Like that's, it's nothing overly complicated. A lot of things in hunting, I feel like are like that. They're just like things that you, you just maybe didn't think about it that way. Yeah. You know, just a, I, I a even thought it was really a really good discussion
0: too about how he was saying, uh, it's like, I think even real elk get hung up on real elk. Yeah. Like, we talk about, like, you know, you're calling and a bull gets hung up. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I think elk get hung up on elk. Like, it makes sense when he was starting to talk about that. Like,
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't want to fight if you don't have to, right? Yeah. And I I think elk, uh, yeah, I think they, I mean if you think about it, same with mule deer, I mean, elk are obviously not as skittish as like a coos deer or mule deer, you know, elk def- de- definitely not a white Did tail. Did you say
0: elk are superior then?
1: <laughs> I just mean all animals are skittish, right? I mean, every ungulate out there is skittish because everything is trying to kill them. So it would make sense to me that they, in every, every situation, unless they're just deep in love during the rut, you know, yeah. they're going to approach a situation a little yeah, bit, they're gonna be a little bit cautious. yeah, a little bit cautious of it. So yeah, that was a good tip. Dirk's a good visit. That was a good dude. I, I, it was interesting to me, like every time I do one of those podcasts on my own, because I'm not, I'm not that big of a talker generally, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, how am I going to carry conversation here for an hour? <laughs> but yeah, I was really surprised, man. I did an hour and a half with Dirk, and he's just full of good tips, so it was cool. It was fun. That's been a fun little project. Hopefully, it gains a little bit more traction. Uh, I got some ideas as far as just, like, some uh, production quality, just some sound issues and stuff. But yeah, that's yeah. going to be hard having
0: a remote guests, And yeah. I, I always feel that same way when I'm a remote guest on a podcast. I worry about that audio because normally it's just my you know iPhone earbuds. And yeah.
1: And like I said, I'm not that big of a talker, so I, it's been surprising to me the amount of uh, – just like effort and like having to get myself up for those you know kind of get myself talked into it you know mm-hmm. i have to i have to really work at it so it definitely doesn't come easy i'm not nearly as gifted as like my youngest kid Owen who could talk to absolutely anybody anywhere for hours yeah <laughs> but it's coming it's good how about you podcast you can do your own podcast
0: uh, there's there's a rumor there's a rumor you never never really said anything we never it. really have but yeah, there's a rumor. I'm I'm gonna be starting my own podcast. I
1: think what we should do is get through post we should get through hunting season. Yeah. Let's let's not dive into another you know, podcast that's this what time I've kind of, of told them
0: all right now. Like I wanna wait maybe till twenty twenty four, maybe start getting some in the can later in the later in yeah. the year and then release it. But but again though, like I enjoy what we do mm-hmm. right here with big hunt guys. Like I enjoy this platform. I enjoy talking to you trail, uh, obviously talking to Lorenzo, um, and some of our guests we obviously talk mm-hmm. to you. But I'm kind of intrigued though. And like I might even be jacked with a solo podcast every now and then, just like random thoughts from Brady. You know?
1: Yeah, I had somebody hit me up the other day, and they said uh, you should try to do some solo ones. You know? They said that I don't know who who they were listening to, but they said that some of the most popular episodes that some some you know producer whatever had done were just solo episodes. You know, I think Huberman's a lot of his are yep. solo. I mean, a lot of people do solo podcasts. I've only ever did one and I tried it and it was hard.
0: Yeah. You have to really plan <laughs> like it very out. Very hard for have me. Have a conversation to yourself the yeah, whole time. And really, like, really tough for yeah. me. So that's what, that'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. I might I'm kind of it. excited though. Yeah. Talk about some stuff. What else have you been doing? Have been shooting your gun?
0: I, I kind of been taking a little bit of a sidestep shooting oh, my gun.
1: No. Yeah. Target panic. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the gun. <laughs> no, <laughs> Knock I mean, on wood.
0: Yeah, no. I, I shot my gun a lot in the early part of the summer when it was really cool out. Uh, obviously, I went to, you know, Ryan Lampers' mm-hmm. Western Hunting Summit. Did a, you know, long-range shooting course there. Shot a ton of ammo then. And that was just, a, you know, three weeks ago or whatever. So, and then I did a bunch more seminars since then. So, I've been kind of busy mm-hmm. a little bit. And uh, started scouting. So, a lot of my, you know, time has been spent prepping e-scouting How'd that and go? Then getting in the boots on the ground. Oh my goodness. Trail. It's good to get out. Yeah. So the funny thing is I called trail the, uh, second I got some service and I was like, I can tell why people, uh, enjoy, you know, scouting these mountain carp because they are so easy to find. They <laughs> this are, time of year they are. <laughs> this time of year they are phenomenally fun to find yeah. because they're it's just like a stand big out. yellow school bus. The yellow school bus just stands out. They're up. Like I was seeing, you know, bulls walking around at four 30 in the afternoon when it's, 85, 90 degrees out on the mountain. Yeah. Got to eat. They got to eat always. And the vegetation this year, my goodness!
1: Yeah, all the video I saw that you had. I mean, I couldn't believe how green everything. I mean, it, I mean, it should be. We're still, we're st- you know, July. I guess we're yeah. in July, but like you get into early August, mid August, you're starting to cure out a lot of those grasses. But man, everything was so green.
0: Yeah, this, the snowpack was crazy. You know, I was watching bulls walk across giant snowfields. Mm-hmm. Like that was super cool to see. You know, saw the fair speed. I saw, saw a few of the fair species out mm-hmm. there. Mule deer were, cre- were creeping around, but, uh, see
1: any contenders? No,
0: I saw a post by some guy. I wish I remember what it was, but, uh, I screenshotted it. He, uh, he had a post from sometime around late July or mid July, a couple years ago in mid July right now. And it was very surprising what a four point looked like on a normal year. That wasn't a hard winner. Mm-hmm. And what some of these bucks are looking like right now, like, yeah. I think a lot of them are stunted because of the hard going after the hard winter.
1: Seems it. I've seen, I haven't haven't seen a
0: solid buck yet. Yeah. My boots on the ground scouting.
1: I've seen a lot of posts and talked to a lot of people that put a lot of time in and kind of the general consensus except for Arizona, which did you see those two bulls that just got smacked? 458, I think 456, I think was that one bull. Yeah. So here's the guy. 458. Give him a little shout out bucks and Browns
0: forever. That's his Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he had this post right there, Trail. Yikes. And then a similar date. And it's like a mature deer based on mass and everything. But look how much more stunted the growth is. And look at the date down there in the corner. Is it the
1: same buck? No,
0: it's uh, probably a different buck. Gotcha. But I'm assuming it's a.
1: Gotcha. You know, I'm
0: almost a state, but it's one yeah. of the mountain states, obviously.
1: Yeah, a lot of people I've been talking to it just seems like antler growth isn't quite what was maybe potentially expected. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is just...
0: The summer was nuked last year too because of the summer habitat? Like I just
1: think green up was so late. That's that's what my gut tells me. So I think on a normal... So for example, I mean, I'm most familiar with Utah, southern Utah, right? Um, most years by March. So people are getting out shed hunting. Um it's green. Yeah. Like, and it's warm, you know, you're mm-hmm. out in short sleeve t- you know, short sleeve T-shirts, you might wear wearing some gaiters cause maybe there's some snow left over, but for the most part, like it's warmed up and you're definitely starting to see green grass yeah. everywhere this year. I don't think you really even saw it until April, mm-hmm. you know, mid April. And I think, you know, those bulls, same with the bucks. I mean, a buck can shed anywhere from January all the way through, you know, March, April, I would say kind of that time frame is the, the biggest, but I, you know, as soon as those animals are dropping their antlers, you know they're out feeding, they're eating, and you know they're replacing body condition and yeah, they're putting putting yeah putting anything else into into antler growth. I just don't think they got that flush of like really good green protein, you know, grass. And I just don't, I don't think, I think they got just didn't get the feed early. I just it seems like they're behind. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to catch up. Yeah, I don't think the. I will say though, the elk I saw. mm Hmm. They're looking pretty good. Yeah, well, I think I think you're gonna have pockets. I think you've got Nevada, mm-hmm. which I think Nevada's relatively dry state. Yep. You and have, the, the moisture we got was really good. Was really good. And I don't think you have a lot of high altitude, and even you know the animals can get out into some winter range. I mean, yeah. you've got you've I got heard got a few l-
0: reports of some winter kill in some areas, like sure, sure. especially like the Ruby Mountains and yeah places like that. But
1: yeah, but for the most part, I think those places those those animals have winter range that they can go to. Yep. Uh, I think you know Arizona. I think you're going to have, obviously, I mean, t- two bulls that are over 450. Yeah, already got shot. Yeah. I mean, un- unbelievable. Man, those bulls are crazy. Unfreaking freaking believable And, you know, talking to guides that work in Arizona, it sounds like they're seeing the same thing. They're seeing, yeah. you know, a lot of good bulls. I would expect the same thing from New Mexico. But I think, you know, central Utah, north Idaho, Montana, Colorado, western Colorado, I think it might be kind of tough year as far as trophy. Did central. you see
0: uh, recently – uh how many tags were still left over in the Idaho return back? No. There was a pile there still. There were? Oh, yeah. Really? Like, they weren't picked up right away.
1: When did that go live?
0: Uh, I mean, this was this was last week yeah, on a this, Thursday. This but even, round. even the, mo- the month prior one, there was tags mm-hmm. two weeks afterwards. Hmm. A pile of tags, deer and elk.
1: I'll have to pull it up and see. Yeah. I still haven't bought an elk today yet. I guess... Colorado's going to sell August 1st, but yeah. I, I, that was kind of, I'm going to buy it. I, I got to buy a Utah one. I'll just go out and shoot a spike. But, <laughs>
0: but yeah, I've, I've been, I've been enjoying my, cause obviously, you know, I'm not going to say exactly what tag, I have, I have a pretty mm-hmm. premium tag yeah. for elk. And it's been, uh, it's been fun in a way, just doing something different. And I'm trying to like, I'm enjoying the process. Obviously I'm not a big elk hunter. And I've kind of set myself up this way of just having, you know, metric shit tons of points for elk and every Western state. And, eventually I'm going to, you know, burn those, but just being up there glassing those bowls, you know, I saw, when I see 35, 40 bulls in three days of scouting, didn't see an absolute toad. You know what we were looking at it, like maybe 340, 350 bulls. a couple mm-hmm. of those ones I saw. Um, I know there's some bigger bowls in there. The country's giant. It's definitely BTX 115 country. Mm-hmm. Like it's so it's, I, I guarantee there's a bunch of bowls I couldn't glass because it's just so many different folds and stuff like that. But, yeah. I'm looking forward to the process because like you said, you said it multiple times, like you kill a buck or kill a bull scouting.
1: Yeah. Opening days for, yeah. Opening days for killing,
0: opening days for killing. And so I'm putting in a lot of effort because I got to do this tag justice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, probably won't have another one. I won't have another one this good. Like, let's be (laughs) honest. This is a good (laughs) tag. Yeah. If you're going to capitalize, this is the one to do it on. Yeah. So I've already done one scouting trip. I'm going to go, mid to late August and do another one Mm -hmm. middle of September. I'm going to go again early October and I'm going to do two or three days before my hunt. Yeah. So by the time I'm, by the time my hunt starts, I'm hoping it's gonna sound crazy, but I'm hoping to have at least like 15 days of scouting Mm -hmm. and that's just me being like, yeah, it sounds great. Oh, Brady works in a hunting company. He's scouting all the time. Well, no, these, I work all week, just like everyone else does weekends. Yeah. And these are all weekends. So, yeah, I don't have a family, so it makes it a little bit easier to yeah. run up there. But I'm going to try to get at least 15 days of scouting in, and uh, hopefully...
1: That's kind of the magic number, I think. I, I mean, I try to... Yeah, obviously, you try to get as much as you can, but, you know, when I've actually drawn permits that I spent some points on, I like to get, you know, right around that 15. I, I probably did 15, close to 15 last year on the man the man tie when I had that tag. but... Mm-hmm. And it pays off. I mean, it, yeah. it, it pays dividends for sure.
0: Like, I already... Like, even going there the first time, you know, I e-scouted it, and sure, I leaned on some people who I, you know, mm-hmm. had some good intel on and stuff like that, but, like, now I know what the mountain looks like in person. I took a bunch of photos of what the terrain looks like. While I was driving, I was taking, you know, dropping waypoints and uh, taking photos of that country. I know where I'm going to go now next time. to try to find, you know, it's not a lot of tags, which is great. I'm not going to have a lot of competition. Do you have a
1: number you're holding out for, or do you just uh, look? What is it for you?
0: No, I of have kind of a number. I really want to bowl over 370.
1: Yeah. That's a tall. That's a tall order. Uh, it's a tall order. It's, it's a, a very a tall rough order. Road to hoe.
0: Yeah, it's like you know, it's a, it's an open site muzzle order, and you know, I'm just good. the problem is the country's so big. Yeah, and that's why I think I need to do my uh, boots on the ground scouting and go cross off other areas because right now I kind of want to find a bull that's off by itself that's still going to be there. That's obviously the rut's going to pull them into different places, mm-hmm. and they're probably be different spots right now where I'm scouting them. But I want to learn every little area on this mountain. I wanna know every access point, every place I can glass from, all these different backup spots. I wanna have A to Z dialed because I know once I get there, obviously it's a totally different time frame than right now, but yeah. I feel like going in, I'm gonna have a solid plan with all these other scouting days. And every time I'm going, I'm just gonna check out new areas. I'm not gonna go, Same. Spot. Why, why waste my time going look at the same bulls? I already know there's bulls there and
1: I already know there's bulls I missed. So here's a question for you. Let's say you find a bull, and the, he, like the bull. Let's say you find a bull, and okay. he is three eighty plus. Yep. He's a he's a seven by seven. He's a straight six with kickers. Ooh, trail. And I don't even know what that looks like. He's got devil tines, and he's just he's the okay. bull. Yep. You go back and looked at look at him every time you go back scouting. I think then I might. Yeah. I'm going to change it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, the thing, but the thing is, too, it's though, because you I mean by the time your hunt rolls around, who knows where he might exactly be.
0: exactly. So, what I might do is I know where he's at, I might go look at places below him, look at places above him, look at the drainage behind him, like look at all the areas in the vicinity, maybe, mm-hmm. and see what it looks like. Because right now, I haven't seen any cows, I've only seen one cow, hmm. so you know, I kind of know where they're going to rut, I kind of know what they're going to do a little bit after the rut, they're still going to be in some of these little areas, but. I kind of want to find these little hell holes where I think some bulls might pull into post rut. Yeah, but you know the rut could be a little bit late. Who knows? Yeah,
1: that's the thing, man. And I, I mean, I don't know. That's the advice I'd give you. Is like it's always it's one thing to fall in love with a bull. And just want to go back and look at him every single time you're out there, especially preseason. Yeah. And and just, you know, get video of him, check up on him, see how he's doing. Yeah. You but know. it's like,
0: am I able to check out other places? Because who knows? I could find something.
1: Well, that. Just, I could find another one just the same size. somewhere That, else, that and then kill. The, Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is he's, it's highly unlikely that he'll be in the same area. Oh, yeah. So it's, that's it's, what concerns me. It, it would almost behoove you, in my opinion, to like really start to check out some other areas that you think might be a little bit better post rut.
0: And this is why I need an elk guy to talk yeah. to. Yeah.
1: It's tough, though. I know what it's like, man. You fall. Well, I, I mean, I'm a little bit different because, you know, i I mostly archery hunt. So it's mm-hmm. like I do have a chance for the most part. But, yeah, it's easy to fall in love with a bull preseason and just start to just yeah. really go out and look at him every single time. <laughs> yeah, because I hear a
0: lot. You know, bulls, bulls can move quite a good distance. To man, go out. they
1: can. Yeah, they can roam. I would definitely want to know where the cows are. Mm-hmm. Just to, just to see, you know, in, in proximity, you know, if those bulls pull off, they find the cows and they're running really hard, you know, you, at least you'll get an idea of where they're rutting, and then, you know, potentially look in the areas adjacent to, to like, Oh, where the, where, where will this bull pull off? Yeah. And I'm
0: hoping some of these elk pull off in some of these nasty. Yeah. I'm sure these is the country because that's going to be my advantage. Yeah. And you'll have some hunts prior to yours. Yeah. But it's like my, my, my biggest strength is using My legs, mm-hmm. like use my legs and use my optics. I'll I'll hike further than anyone else. I'll hike in the dark. Like I don't care. I'll do whatever I need to do to kill an animal. Not afraid of the dark. Not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid of the boogeyman anymore. <laughs> yeah. But like, so I want I want some bulls in some nasty country because if they get in the nasty country, it's going to limit other hunters, and I'm hoping that happens. I'm like, obviously you want you know sometimes a layup, but I also want to I want to suffer a little bit. Everyone knows that.
1: Oh, I like a layup when I can get it. <laughs> I like I like the alley dunk if I can get one. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. So,
0: but I'm like, you know, I want I want a bull. I can, I can go after. I want to be able to bull. I can I can try to glass it up. So I'm just gonna do yeah. my best right now to check out the whole entire mountain. But what I'm seeing right now, it's looking yeah. pretty good.
1: That's fun. I'm I'm excited. The thing about talking about hunting is that I get excited to go hunting. Yeah. And I I can't get too excited because I probably really can't get out into the field here at least for another week. So <laughs> I better just rein it in. And and
0: what. And what's crazy, so we're recording this, what, July 25th right yeah. now?
1: It's Pioneer yesterday, Pioneer Day. Oh, that's and, a big thing, uh, in Utah, Yeah, this is the place. Oh, is Utah in general or is it Cedar? Utah. Okay. Yeah, it's like the the holiday there for Utah where, you know, the Saints came into the Valley and Brigham Young said, this is the place. Hmm. So they had fireworks last night. My dog was going nuts. She didn't no, like I mean, that. Not,
0: not a fan of fireworks.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, 25th. I interrupted 25th. You. <laughs>
0: I'll be hunting in a week.
1: Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. I'm, li- I'm literally going hunting in a week. Yeah, that's right. You drew an orcs tag.
0: Yeah, in New Mexico. Excited? Getting really excited.
1: Yeah. It's all, all, off range? Off range. Okay. What uh, What does that entail? As far as like, how do you hunt that? Do you know much about it? I I know limited amounts, but I know it's going to be heavy glassing. It's kind of, kind
0: of like a hybrid. Like an antelope, antelope hunting? It really is you know, driving around covering country is going to be the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously I'm looking for a, a giant oryx. I'll probably never touch one of these tags What's again. What's a big orcs? Thirties, 36 is what people really look for. But 40 is like giant, giant.
1: Is there some, have you doing, have you done any research as far as like the length of their face? No. Okay. Cause Let, that's, that's where my head goes. I'm like, okay, how long is the length of an orcs' face? And yeah. compare that to, you know, the the horns about said antlers. Yeah, compare that to the horns, but no.
0: No, none of that yet. Luckily, the funnest thing is, though, like, so my dad is going to fly out and join me. Okay. I asked my dad if he wanted to come and do it. He's like, 100%. He's cool. retired. He's all excited for it. So he's going to fly to Vegas, and then we're going to drive all the way over together and go hunting. And, you know, I, I, I applied for this hunt in the guide draw. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be hunting with, you know, Ryan Gentry and yep. Blackhorn. So yep. it's going to be fun to have one of my homies. Cole's gonna come out with you. Yep, just, Cole's gonna be there okay. too, and uh, so they're obviously very experienced. Mm-hmm. And we're just gonna go have a good time and try to find the biggest orcs we can.
1: I want you to do the tactic of where you drag you drag roads with a chain link fence in the back, just to uh, you know scrub the, it, scrub the, for tracks, it for tracks. for tracks I want, find, I want you to find a track and track one. Should out. I do that technique? That's what, I would love to see it.
0: I'm kind of, I was kind of thinking about building the high rack in the back of my truck. that would be pretty, pretty sweet. You know, just I don't know what to expect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I don't know how much topography there is down there. Glass, I would assume it's probably a lot. Just like you're saying, hunting antelope, just cruising country. It's cruising and, country, and yeah. I've
0: it. done a lot of, you know, a little bit of research here and there. And a lot of people say, like, you know, it's going to be harder to uh, lay prone and try to shoot with my rifle off yeah. a bipod. So it might be shooting off a tripod. Mm-hmm. And so one should like this, like you talked about shooting a rifle, like later this week, I'm going to start shooting my rifle in the morning quite a bit. Do you, know, you ever practice be,
1: that? You I ever, practice it every
0: now and then, but it's not something I like. You like the prone? I like prone. Like I've gotten made fun of it so many times about talking about the best way to kill an animal. I feel like I owe it to an animal to shoot the best position possible. And to me, the best position possible is shooting prone. I'm the most stable. I'm mm-hmm. the most calm. I My mean, weapon is totally dialed. And then I got rip, ripped apart like, oh yeah, you can shoot off a tree branch. You can shoot off the, the side of a fence post. You can shoot on a fence. Like, I'm Like, yeah, sure, you can do all that stuff. But is that... The best way to do it for that animal, making sure that I can kill that animal in one clean shot.
1: You know what's not a good thing to shoot off? What? A barbed wire fence. Like, it just isn't steady. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. definitely... Mean, you want You want to go to the pole. you okay, don't want to just Yeah, you don't want to use the, the actual wire itself. Yeah. It's too, too much shake in it.
0: Yeah, so I shot off a tripod a little bit last year just practicing because I have a full ARCA rail on the bottom of my rifle so I can just slide it on, mm-hmm. you know, my, my VA5 head or whatever tripod I have. And I was really comfortable, you know to six fifty like it was very easy I mean to shoot six fifty like knees standing up, yeah, but it's just something that i want I'm gonna be practicing more in the next couple of days because yeah
1: i mean, I would imagine it'd be pretty tough to get a prone position shot on an orcs, yeah,
0: I literally have so today's Tuesday, I have Wednesday to Friday morning to practice, and then I have Monday and Tuesday of next week, and we're driving out Tuesday,
1: and you're gone, I'm gone. How many days do you have booked for that?
0: Uh, I think the third through the ninth of August. Do you August. have any
1: idea as far as time how long it might take you to? to I harvest? heard it can go
0: pretty quick. Oh, really? Yeah, it can go. If you, if Even, you find if you find them, it can yeah. go pretty quick. But it's just like I want a, rep- a good representation of the species. Yeah. Like, sure, I'm trophy hunting, but like, I want I want to hunt an old, mature animal. I want something cool. I don't want something broken. I want something just clean, pretty.
1: What are you gonna do with it?
0: uh i'm gonna do a so uh, i'm gonna do a big pedestal oh yeah yeah shoulder on it shoulder mount, it? Shoulder mount it, you're not yeah. gonna rug it huh no they are they are gorgeous man
1: i think i'd have to euro that and then rug it
0: yeah and so the, the cool thing is though like that's why i kind of wanted my dad to go because my dad's hunted gemsbuck in africa dad and my mom S- kinda, pretty much same z's are they different species
1: do you know Pff, honestly i don't think so i think i think I don't know why you call one an orcs and the other one a gemsbuck.
0: I, I think, what, would they reintroduce those things? Back Local dialects. 60s is. or something like that in New Mexico. Yeah. But. So like my dad, my dad shot a big uh, female. My mom shot a uh, male. Mm-hmm. That was the first hunt my mom's ever done in her life. In in ha- last ha- hunt In Africa. In Africa, yeah. She, she shot a, shot a big gemsbuck. And so like my dad's seen him before. Obviously, you know, they're similar. Again, I don't know if they're the exact same species. We probably should know that. I
1: bet they are. I bet they are these. Yeah. But why do we call them works? I don't know. Why, why do Americans do most things they do? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's really cool. So yeah, I'm enjoying like going to hunt
0: with my father. Yeah. to yeah, Do something cool. It's going to be nasty hot. It's not going to be hot as Vegas though. So I'll be used to it. Yeah. I'll be pretty well acc- I'm acclimated to the heat. But it's just like cool hunting a new species, hunting a new terrain and try to do something differently. And just like, yeah, it's going to be giant optics country. You know, pretty flat. I've never heard the meat is phenomenal.
1: That's what they say. Save like, me steak, will. Oh, same meat package of steaks. So, right. sounds, you, we'll
0: sounds, talk. You talk more about elk and give me some more elk advice, and <laughs> so I'll, I'll give
1: you some. <laughs> you're gonna have plenty of meat in the freezer this year if you work out with an orcs tag because I think they're a big animal. They're a big animal, yeah. Yeah, so that'll that'll be good. And then if you shoot an elk, yeah, well, you're you're gonna have to start really just eating protein, just wild game all the time. Good thing that's At, all I do anyway. Every meal. That's literally what Breakfast, I do right now. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's why I'm so healthy. <laughs> ah, man, that's cool. So, yeah, so
0: it's crazy to think that literally in a week I'll be hunting, and it's August. Yeah. It's season's here.
1: Yeah, I start the 19th. I've just got a general season archery deer tag. Uh, I'm just going to go on my own. Yeah, I think I'm just going to – I'll probably take a week, I guess. Um, I don't know if I'll do the opener or the next one. Um I'll probably just buy an over-the-counter elk tag, so I'll wait till that opens probably to really just take my time off. But, yeah, I think I'm just going to go out on my own and see how it goes, Hmm. which is good. It's fun. It's kind of back back to the roots, back to the way I used to like to do it. And, you know, hopefully uh, I've got the dedicated hunter tag, so, you know, I can kind of hold out and be selective.
0: That's kind of my debacle too because... I also have. Yeah, you also do. I have a dedicated hunter tag.
1: Are you going to give that any effort, you think? That's what's
0: really hard. It's hard for me to decide what I want to do. It's a great water year. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But I have a sick elk tag. I have. Is
1: this your first year in it?
0: Yeah, first year in it. So I yeah. could cough it up, but it's like I don't want to just not go.
1: I wouldn't cough it up. I mean, no, with that, I would, with, yeah, with that program, you can kill two deer in three years. You know, so even if you ate this year, you can still you know hunt next year real hard if you have a lean year as far as drawing, yeah. drawing tags goes. There, there might be. Again, I've I retired,
0: but <laughs> from there, basketball, from archery. Oh yeah, I might I might dust off the old bow. Really, there might be a thing where I might go out there and use that as a. uh Scouting, Scout. scouting thing, but carry my bow. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know I need to practice before I do. I'm not gonna just go out there and not practice. Yeah, talking about practice. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think that's what other people do. Oh, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> just pick up a weapon and go. I think I said before one of my favorite things is to go hit like a Walmart, you know, on a Friday and the openers on a Saturday yeah. and just like hang out and watch dudes buying arrows and products and stuff.
0: So, I, so I actually, did grab my bow this last weekend. He shot some arrows. Uh, no, I grabbed all
1: my equipment and so oh. I
0: set it out. I didn't shoot anything yet, but is,
1: there, is that a process? Like if you just set it out and so it looks at you every day, it looks at me every day. Every time I walk that, by my bedroom, give, it give, gives you the look, and you're like, okay. Eventually, you'll pick it up, shoot yeah. something through it. It's so like the archer
0: hunt, you know. you Got some weekends there, and it's just a good chance to get out and do some scouting. And yeah. if I see a buck that I really love and it's under a great spot, you know, maybe I'll put a stock on it.
1: Yeah, just have a good time. <laughs> yeah, cool thing about that dedicated hunter tag, I think, I think it's cool. It's actually kind of a blessing and a curse, if I'm honest, because here's the thing with dedicated hunters. I know that I have archery, muzzle litter, and the rifle season, right? Yep. So I go out and I hunt with a bow and I find a buck or two bucks, right? And, you know, I'll I'll wait. I'm, I'm kind of like looking for the perfect opportunity to go in with a bow. I'm not nearly as aggressive as I would be if I just had the archery tag. Mm-hmm. Like if I just had an archery tag, I'd be way more aggressive and I'd be a lot more calculated. I think mm-hmm. I think I'd always keep it in my back pocket as like, Oh, you know, muzzleloader hunt. I can go in there and smash him on the opening day, the muzzleloader hunt, you know? So yeah. I, I definitely hunt differently.
0: And I'm, you fully feel those bucks in the same area.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Utah. That's one thing I think is great about Utah. They're, their muzzleloader hunt starts the last week in September and ends the first week of October. And those bucks, I mean, if you could find them, I would say I would say from July, you know, all the way August and through September, they're typically within the exact same area. I mean, all the bucks that I've killed have hunted with a bow on dedicated hunter tag. And if I haven't been able to kill them, I've killed them on you know opening day of the muzzleloader hunt within a couple hundred yards of where I've been hunting them with a bow.
0: Are you still that guy right now that has a one X scope? You don't have anything yeah. big and dialed on Yeah, there? no.
1: I have a I have a Thompson Center R it's not an encore what's the other one omega omega i have a thompson center omega with a thumbhole stock yeah and i have a one power uh scope on it so Mm -hmm. yeah and i haven't shot it for a while so yeah what
0: was the last buck you shot was uh was it 2017 2018 i think so
1: yeah i think it's probably yeah 17 i think yeah that was a good buck yeah yeah mid 80s buck yeah it scouted him same thing just shot him opening day of the muzzleloader hunt and it's like I said, I wish there's so many times that I've hunted deer with a bow and you know I've made stocks and I've blown stocks and it just hasn't worked out. And then I've shot them on opening day of the muzzleloader hunt within 40 yards. Like uh, I've killed, I, I can think of at least four deer that I've hunted really hard with a bow uh, and then I've killed them on a muzzleloader hunt within 60 yards. <laughs> just so that, as that, like we're talking before, that's that you're killing them opening day. You yeah, know, you, you've done your, day.
0: done your work beforehand during the archery hunt, yeah, and didn't you know seal the deal, but then
1: and I, I can't figure it out. I don't know why. When i want to have a bow in my hand, they are just absolutely unhands, yards, yeah, yeah. And then I get a muzzle loader and they just stand there at 60 yards and let me shoot them. Like that biggest buck I shot, I shot it, I think he might have been 80, but still, like I could have yeah. shot him with a bow. Gosh. <laughs> So I don't know what the deal is with that, but, and I honestly think it's me. I think it's just a mindset. I think, you know, Bo, I feel like I have to be super stealthy because I also have to get to full draw. You know, I have to stay hidden. I have to creep in on them And like a muzzleloader, I feel like I can just run right at them and, you know, pull it up and shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, but I've been shooting, been shooting the bow.
0: Yeah, you just got back from uh, TAC.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Omar and I and Cody went up. We just went two days, Thursday and Friday. Was that new venue? uh they did it at solitude okay yeah so i'd done brighton before i think they've ping-ponged around a little bit they did one at park city uh we've been to the one at big sky before which is yep. super fun but yeah it was a fun, it was fun man it was it was kind of a last minute ad to be honest i mean we hadn't planned on attending but then uh you know talking to omar and cody we thought hey maybe we'll run up for a couple of days and we just booked a couple tea times i think they call them knock times knock knock times I thought it was a tea time, golf, huh? Yeah, knock times. Yeah, we booked just a couple knock times and shot a couple different courses. It was it was fun. Talk to me about
0: like, in your opinion, the importance you think of a shoot like that. Like, what are you gaining from it as a bow hunter?
1: Um, I think I think for one. Well, here's 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 where my my mind goes. Okay, so I shoot I shoot every day. Like I I don't remember to be honest. Like the last day that I didn't shoot some arrows, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's in my basement or up at the range, and usually it's up at the range. So I shoot every day, but but for the most part, I mean, my local range. I'm shooting. You know, we we I shoot 100 yards and I'll shoot 100 yards, but it's like out in the parking lot, maybe on a very very slight incline. Uh, all the targets that go down the canyon, the targets that go up the canyon. I mean, the most you know, difficult shot might be like a, you know, 15 degree downhill, maybe a a little bit of uphill,
0: not a lot of terrain, not a
1: lot of terrain. It's pretty, pretty standard stuff. You know, a lot of it's flat, you know, which is great. It's good just to get reps and it's good just to, to build, build confidence. But one thing that I noticed, and this happens to me every year when I go to one of these shoots, is I get up there and you know just like the the degree of difficulty you know you're shooting side hill you're shooting downhill shooting uphill you're shooting you know through gaps in trees you're shooting through brush and really I think that's probably the the thing that triggers for me the most is just like okay here I am like in an actual real environment like Mm -hmm. much more close to a hunting situation and I started to realize like the difficulty of those types of shots and I think that's probably the biggest value add for a shoot like that? Is it just kind of lets you know, you know, hey, this is a lot harder than just shooting at your local range flat, you know, mm-hmm. 40 yards. Do
0: you think that helps for a lot of people too? They realize they need to do a lot more practice after the fact and they get done with one of those shoots. Like they think it's easy guys that want to shoot yeah. like that, they lose a bunch of arrows or, you know, hit a bunch of tree branches mm-hmm. and like,
1: I sure should hope so.
0: Uh, like you would <laughs> definitely think.
1: I, I hope so. I mean, I hope, I hope people went home from that. I mean, based Humbled on the, a little bit. Yeah. Based on the number I know I do. I did. I mean, the first day we shot the ultra view course, which was it was just 15 targets, but most of the targets were small, small animals, turkeys, rabbits, you know, raccoons, mm-hmm. um, you know, does, but a lot of it was like uphill, you know, downhill through some brush, not like extreme distances. I think maybe the furthest target was like 70 yards or something. But I know that I came home with it thinking, okay, you know, I think it's good to go to my local range and shoot arrows every day. But I also think it's probably time to take the, the old Reinhardt 18 and one and kick it down a hill, Mm -hmm. you know, run up a hill and shoot it up and down, shoot some side hill stuff. Because yeah, it. I mean, and I, the first day I shot, okay, I, I shot all right. But I went back to the, you know, the, the hotel that night being like, yeah, I didn't shoot nearly as many 10s as I should have, you know. I didn't lose any arrows, but I, I thought, you know, I should have shot a little bit better. Uh, second day, I shot great. Like, second day, I shot really good. I think I probably only shot, about the second day, I only shot, what, 25 targets? I bet I shot two eights, maybe. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like I shot really, really good the second day. Yeah, yeah. Cody, Cody lost a few arrows. <laughs> Cody lost a few arrows. How many arrows did you lose, Cody? Four? Cody lost four. Hours. Yeah. Cody lost four, but, uh, I
0: heard he had a little, uh, debacle.
1: He did. Yeah. Cody had a moment. <laughs> Cody <laughs> had two moments. Oh yeah. Yeah. At one point his, uh, back bar bracket got loose. Nice. Got away from him. So we had to find an Allen wrench, a little larger Allen wrench. We got but that. But see,
0: that's, that's the good benefit it, about going to a shoot like that. For sure. Cause you really, you realize, you know, checking your gear all the time, torquing things down. Yeah. You traveled, but it's also people travel to go hunting. So, yeah, I probably got beat up on the airplane or whatever or driving up there, whatever you guys did. Mm-hmm. But that happens in hunting. Yep. And, and, you know, you have those tools with it to fix it if you're on a mountain.
1: I know that I went, so I shot, I shot twice yesterday, actually. I shot yesterday morning and I shot last night because my, oh. my wife and kids were out of town. So I was like, yeah, well, what better do you go to the archer range and fling some arrows, right? Mm-hmm. But, um yeah, I, I went home from tack and immediately tied down every set screw on my bow, yeah. you know. So that's a good just a good thing to do in general. But yeah, yeah that was a good reminder. And then uh, Cody at one point, I think it was towards the end. I think we'd, he'd already shot maybe 25 targets or something like that. 24, 23 maybe. Yeah. He pulled back and he had his camera like on oh, his yeah, backpack. Yep. Yeah. And I'd thought throughout the day that he might be getting dangerously close to clipping that camera with his string on the stroke. And he, yeah, I think he clipped it and derailed it. Derailed it. Yeah.
0: It's kind of a bummer. It's a good thing he has a nice friend like you who's gonna set him straight I, again. I heard.
1: I, I put it back on, yeah, but I think he's, I think he's gonna need a new string for it. And I don't, I don't think the axle's bent. I don't think the cam was bent. I think the bearings were good. And it was lucky that he had an arrow. I mean, he had an arrow knocked, and the arrow went, the arrow went zinging. I saw, I saw it disappear into the abyss. <laughs> Send it. <laughs> yeah, it, it disappeared. But he, yeah, he derailed it. Darn it. Whoo. Yeah. But the other thing I was going to tell you, I think that a shoot like that does for you. Uh, you know, if you get there early before your, your knock time, they have like a practice range. Mm-hmm. And I would say there's probably, what, 50 or so people lined out there. And I, I'm guilty of this. I don't shoot a lot of, you know, competitive 3D. I don't go to – even though we have a pretty good circuit there in Utah – uh, I used to go to a lot of those, but now it's just my kids are so busy on weekends. I don't get to go to a lot a lot of them and, and shoot in front of people. And then I go to the archery range and I shoot just me and my dog. Yeah. So, like, you know, you don't shoot with – I don't shoot with anybody. I don't shoot in front of people, you know. And I think – You step up there to the line, and you've got fifty other people, and everybody's kind of, you know, whether you like it or not, everybody's kind of gauging everybody else. Oh yeah, it's everybody's definitely having
0: a little competition. Like you're looking at what people are hitting and where they're missing, and
1: everybody's looking at each other's bows. You know, you're looking at their arrows, you're looking at their setup, their sight. You're kind of looking down the line. At least I am. I'm looking at people's form. You know, I'm watching people punch triggers and. You know i'm seeing all these things and yeah i mean shooting in front of people is it's just a different vibe i mean your your nerves your, your nerves are heightened um you know it's it's a good gut check i think really for is. you and then you know the second day when we shot uh that course was fairly busy we had a group in front of us we had probably two groups behind us and it was kind of stacking up at time to time so I mean, I shot first every target, so you know I might have 15, 20 people standing behind me watching me shoot, and you just don't, you don't get that on a day to day, and you're shooting difficult shots. And I think there's a lot of value in that. I mean, it just it's an added pressure.
0: Yeah, because eventually you're gonna have to realize, like, hey, I need to zone out those people behind me. Yeah. Even though I know I know they're watching, but it's like, this is my mm-hmm. time. Like, clear out your thoughts, just like if you were in a hunting situation and the animal in front of you. Like,
1: you know, what's funny is I find it easier to shoot an animal than I do in in front of like fifty people. Like, I feel less pressure, mm. like shooting an animal. I feel way more at ease than I do with a bunch of people standing behind me. You know, there was one target, uh, it was a Black Panther, like 53 yards, and it had had its paw out. And uh, Cody was like, I'll give you 20 bucks if you shoot the paw, you know, right in the paw. Yeah. And it was up uphill, I don't know, maybe <coughs> 20 degrees. It was a you know, tough shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the guys behind it, oh, I'll join 20. I don't know what it got up. Yeah, I'd probably. Got up to, yeah, I probably got up to two. I a little side hustle. Yeah, two twenty was kind of funny. Um, I did. Yeah, I hit it in the wrist, so I was like, I don't know, maybe a half, half inch right. And did anyone smack it? No, it was just me. Yeah, just me. Yeah, it was a it was an arrow wrecker. Like if you missed, so you got a bunch of cash? No, I didn't. I didn't hit the paw, man. Okay, um, it was I'm, actually Paul. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm Paul only. Yeah. So, Dude, but,
0: but speaking of that pressure thing, though, like. That is something like, I like when I was doing that Western hunting summit, Yeah, like literally at one point in the evening, we all started like, Hey, can we go shoot rifles? And I was like, yeah, man, you guys can go shoot, let's go playing some steel. Mm-hmm. So we all started shooting again. We've been shooting together, like in our small group, but we split up rifles and archery guys cause I had an archer course. And I took the rifle guys out. So all the rifle guys were kind of comfortable shooting around each other, but now it's shooting in front of the whole course, the whole yeah, school group. basically. Mm-hmm. So we and like, you're an instructor there, you're yeah. supposed to be, right? Like yeah. your, your, your area of expertise is Yeah, be, so is we, we started there. shooting for a while and all of a sudden we decided to stretch it out a little bit and so I picked out a little rock face that was a mile away and so here I am laying on the ground. Now I have like 60, 70 some people behind me all watching, pressures on, you know, shooting at a mile. Yeah. Like that adds yeah, that's an pressure. extra feel yeah for because sure. like you can talk a big game like oh yeah brady we see you shoot all the time mm-hmm. on instagram like can you actually do it in real life is that just fake or whatever and I, i'll tell you it's it's something different shooting with the big mm-hmm. group and to be able to stack up like hit a target at a mile yeah it's difficult no matter what and then to do it with a bunch of people watching you and be able to still be composed and still do everything right still do your breathing process still do all your you know your whole basically shot process Mm -hmm. to execute perfectly. Press that trigger and press it, it, press it. Don't squeeze it. (laughs) Yeah. And then like they hear the feedback afterwards when you, when you smack a rock at a mile, good, good feeling. It's a pretty good feeling. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool experience.
1: I think those, and a lot of us just confidence building. I I mean, that was another thing I thought about. Like I said, I I shot, I shot okay on Thursday. I mean, I shot good Uh, Friday. I shot great. And, You know, it's like, I mean, I don't know is what it is, but it builds confidence. Mm -hmm. Like I I came home and, uh, you know, went up and shot that that, the next morning. So excited to keep shooting. Yeah. Saturday went up and shot, shot great Saturday morning, you know, Sunday, yesterday went up, shot twice, shot great. It's just like this compounding thing. You know, you go up and you, you prove to yourself that you can do it. You know you can do it in front of people you can do it in you know tough terrain different environment you know mm-hmm. real hunting situations you just start to build calm confidence I, i don't know i think so much of archery is just at least for me it is you know it's confidence you just build it up speaking of confidence
0: then like what's some of the stuff you do to make yourself more confident like what's your like shot process like mm-hmm. what do you do with your feet like Yeah, Walk me through like some of your like training things you kind of do or things you work, like try to work on when you're out by yourself practicing.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's, and that's another interesting thing too. I mean, we, we filmed some stuff for social and we did a little video. I think it's a really good practice. Like if you go to one of those, uh, have your buddies film you, whether it's for social or, you know, just for your own, you know, good, mm-hmm. you know, film yourself, shooting film, the whole process, everything that you go through, your follow through. Uh, and I know that since we got back, I've been kind of looking at some of that and, and thinking, yeah, there's definitely some things I need to work on, you know, follow through being one of them. Follow through's kind of a, a little, I don't know, what do you call that? Thorn in my side a little bit. Sometimes hmm. I get sloppy on my follow through, you know, I start to like fall off to the left. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, we did a little a content piece and we'll probably put it out, but there's lot, a bunch of tips. Yeah, a bunch of tips. Yeah. But uh, I,
0: I think right there though, even saying the whole like having someone video you, like you said, not not, not some to say like, oh, you're gonna video it and throw it on social, mm-hmm. like video it for educational purposes. Yeah, throw like it on we, social, as, ask, ask, ask people. Ask people, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. What do you, I what do you do think? That?
1: I mean, you might have to have some thick skin. Hey,
0: your are a little too long.
1: <laughs> yeah, y- yeah, or hey, your follow-through sucks, yeah. or hey, you punch the trigger on But you do one. learn
0: a lot. I've even done that before shooting rifles. Mm-hmm. Like, you can you learn a lot about your body position. You think your body, you know, I think maybe sometimes I'm square behind the rifle, but I'm actually off a little bit. Like, you can see that then on the video where you think you're doing things right the whole time, but if you, like, use that as a training tool to look at yourself when you're practicing.
1: Yeah, and it makes a difference. I mean, going into that shoot up there that we shot, there was there's definitely things that I was thinking about. And then, you know, coming home from that event, I, I've continued to think about them. So like, I'll just run through some of them. Uh, one of them being, uh, this is kind of a simple one, but like I th- I th- knowing the range of an animal's everything when you're bow hunting, right? Um, the last, The last animal like I missed, like really missed, was was because me and my rangefinder. Is that that elk? Yeah, I missed a bull in Arizona on a late hunt, and I'd ranged him downhill. I'd waited on him all afternoon to stand up and move into a shooting position, which he did perfectly. Like he did his part totally. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have the compensation on my rangefinder, and this wasn't like so steep. You know, it was a good range, right? Mm-hmm. So I ranged him. I didn't. My like a rangefinder. I have to wait just a split second to give me the estimated, you know, the calculated range. For whatever reason just faced it you know i took the first oh you took the first one which is the line of sight yeah i took the first range line of sight shot him shot right over the top of his back i mean left to right it was absolutely perfect you know i made a great shot in fact i remember that was like one of those shots when it goes off you're like yep made yeah. a phenomenal shot i
0: remember that story you were saying it was like if you Picture perfect shot, execution, mm-hmm. everything was just money.
1: Yep, you Absol- watch that arrow. You're like the whole way. Oh, yeah, I'm like, oh, he's dead. Oh wait, what are those sparks? You know, from <laughs> from that broadhead hitting a rock just over the top of his back. I gave him a haircut essentially. But that was one tip. I mean, that I would cover and I would give people. And I think it's great if you go to a shoot like that is just practice using your rangefinder. I mean, if I go to a range up my up my local range, a lot of I don't ever use my rangefinder because I know all the ranges. I shoot it every day. You know, I don't even pull it out. But you go to a shoot like that, you know, you're pulling out your range finder, you're ranging the the targets and you know, you're practicing using the compensation. You are you know, if you use a dialer, a slider sight, a single pin or whatever it is, you're, you're moving that into position. I mean, I, on the practice range, I ranged an animal, dialed my sight, didn't really pay attention, got sloppy. You know, it was a long, I think it was a 96 yarder cut loose. And I heard it at foam and I was like, oh, that was weird. I don't see my arrow up there. Well, luck. Lucky, I got lucky. I hit a target in front of that target, oh, you know, like it was 20 30 yards short. I made a great shot on it, by the way. It wasn't what I was shooting at, but that's what I'm saying is like just you know, I think it's definitely beneficial to practice using your range finder. And if you're using a slider sight, whether it's a single pin or double pin, or if you're shooting long range, to actually paying attention and sliding your sight down to the proper range.
0: What do you think the importance of, like you said, the angle cut? Like do you, do you always trust that rangefinder when it's give that angle cut or do you want to kind of verify and uh, is there a way to make it more accurate or?
1: I mean, you can, and I'm not an expert on this because I don't hunt. I, I haven't historically hunted like a lot of steep. So steep I'm thinking right now, like Lorenzo,
0: I wish, that's why I wish Lorenzo was here sure. cause I really wanted to get into this with him mm. because he's going sheep hunting yeah. and he's going with his bow and he's going, you know, hunting stone sheep. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I talked to Derek Nelson over at Matthews, and I don't know if you saw, he did a hunt with Crispy, and they shot a buck, uh, like, almost straight down into this wash. He yeah. shot a mule deer, and I was talking to him up there about it, and I'm like, man, how did you even know, you know, what pen to use? And he's like, man, it's so, so complicated. He's like, I didn't really know. I, I can't remember exactly what he told me, but I remember thinking, like, I wouldn't know what to do. Like, I wouldn't know exactly what pen to do because I haven't practiced it, you know? Yeah. So definitely, yeah, I mean, those types of shots, if you're hunting that that country where that could potentially happen to you, which I guess it could anywhere if you're hunting mountainous country, um, yeah, you're going to have to figure some stuff out with your range and your sight.
0: The the, the thing that I always brings me back to it is when, you know, I was a psycho bow hunter back in the mm-hmm. day. I shot a mountain goat yep. in BC with my bow. First stock I ever man on a mountain goat. That mule you shot
1: in the rubies was steep. Steep.
0: Steep as well. Like the mountain goat one specifically, I remember being on my knees coming to full draw on this goat after I ranged it. It was, I had to do a 30 yard cut.
1: 30 yard cut? 30
0: yard cut. Wow.
1: This is like straight down. This is
0: like, it's straight down. So I was, I was literally on my knees. It came to full draw, like literally on a cliff edge, like straight mm-hmm. down. And I looked at my limb. I was like, holy shit, my limb might hit the rock. Hit the rock. Yeah. So I had to lean out from it. Yeah, And like, I've been practicing a lot, like throughout that summer and angle cuts and everything like that, getting prepared for, it. but I don't think I was really fully prepared for that moment. Like, sure. like it's so hard, I think, to find an area where you can actually simulate those mm-hmm. steep things. And I, you know, I, I still don't know this day, like maybe my, my third axis was off a little bit cause I did hit it, you know, mid body. So mm-hmm. maybe things were not perfectly aligned, but I killed the goat, you know, yeah. but it's crazy to me. Like. Putting yourself in that situation and being confident still and then trusting that rangefinder. Cause I was even blown away, like 30 yard cut. Yeah. Is unbelievable. Yeah. That's like I, I shot for, I shot for 31 yards. Wow. Like that's crazy. But it was a lot, you know, a lot further than that. Yep. But it's just like to be confident in your tool and like to trust your tool. I think you have that's why I shoot like that. I think it's so beneficial if you can get to those yeah. places and shoot those steep terrain. Or you have an area where you have a great practice spot where you can test those out, trust your rangefinder. And, and figure out if it's, you know, if mm-hmm. the fudge those numbers a little bit. or
1: Yeah, I would say generally up there, I mean, we were shooting uphill, downhill. I mean, tr- trust my range finder, dial the yardage, and, and I was hitting where I was aiming. So in, in that regard, but those extreme angles, uphill, downhill, that's definitely, I have some ground to make up there, and it's, it's something I should practice because you just never know. Never know. Yeah, so that was one thing. Uh, speaking of shooting uphill and downhill, I mean, I think one thing, it's kind of an overlooked I think a lot of myself included at times if I'm shooting an uphill shot, it seems almost second nature to like want to, you know, draw your bow up, you know, with your arms up and just kind of draw the bow. So it was a good reminder up there to like, you know, draw your bow level, uh, get your T form and then rotate it at the waist, you know, either uphill or downhill just so that you can retain the form. And I know that every time I do that, it just feels like everything is lined up as it should be and I execute a much better shot. So in that regard, that was a good reminder uh you talked about second and third access so you know your second access you set it which is like your horizontal access on your site you get that set and then you set your third access which is kind of the angle this way or that way on your site yeah the open door thing. Open, uh, open door yeah kind of like an open door it's a good way to put it actually But um, remember some things from our, two days. yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it kind of that open door motion, but, um, you know, to get that set and then that becomes really important when you're shooting uphill, downhill. And again, that's something I think you, you kind of ought to, you got to true it up, you know, you got to go out and shoot some arrows and just make Mm -hmm. sure that you're actually, it's actually set, which was good. And I felt like mine is, I felt like it was solid all weekend shooting up and downhill uh i think it was a good time to focus on and this is kind of just a a tip and everybody says it all the time but picking a spot Mm. uh often when you go to an archery range you might be shooting at a spot you know a dot on a target uh you're not actually getting to shoot at a 3d animal and on that animal actually being able to pick out a spot to aim at yeah So uh, I talked the little video that we did. I talked about actually, what does it mean to pick a spot? Well, there's like so many times when you're out there, you're looking at a a target, whether it's an actual live animal or you know a foam target. But there were, I I can think of probably five or ten targets where I was like, okay, I can see uh, a branch, you know, that's just off the edge of where uh, the ten ring, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna put my pen up into the right of that, maybe an inch or so, and I was using that as an aiming reference. You know, there were animals that were kind of tucked in, and there might be a shadow yep. or the shadows a, thing that I was a remembering. A shadow them, yeah. or a highlight of sunlight. You know, the way that it catches that animal. Um, you know, there's all these different little things that you could look at to to kind of help yourself pick a spot on the animal.
0: When, when you're up at a shoot like this, obviously the 3D targets. Mm-hmm. Are you ever avoiding? the rings and shooting how you would like an animal if it's quartering away or are you, are you switching back and forth every now and then, like, Oh, I'm not going to shoot for the 10 ring. I'm going to, you know, angle it in there. Cause it's a quartering away shot kind of practice that a yeah. little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, if it's quartering away shot, I was trying to pick, you know, kill shot, and kill a- shot, a- aiming for the opposite leg, you know, yep. uh, most targets. So I, you know, I was, I was looking for, you know, I was looking at rings. You, you want scores. Yeah. I was looking at rings just to see where they're at. Be, you want to beat
0: Cody and Omar. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys have a competition, side note?
1: I mean, Cody and I started a competition, but I think we got, what, maybe 10 targets in, 15 targets in, and I, I think it was over at that point. Oh, it was so we, over. Yeah, we quit keeping score
0: at that point. So you got your rematch, because like, he kind of kicked everyone's butt on the Iron yeah. Buck competition. Yeah, I got, I
1: got my revenge yeah. on the Iron Buck. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was one of them. You know, I think about – third access. Those are, those are the kinds of things I was thinking about. Picking a spot was one of them. How do you pick a spot on an animal? Tough to hair, highlight, same thing, sunlight, shadow, tough to hair. Um, you know, a, a branch that might be in close proximity to that I can use for reference to aim off of, uh, anything like that. And I think I, I, I have buddies that have hit animals and lost them or missed animals completely. And a lot of times when I've asked them, like, you know, how'd the shot feel? What'd you see? And I'd have no idea. They'll tell you, I don't know. I don't know. I just shot at the animal. Yeah. It's so like, I think if you shoot at the animal, like you're, you're bound to miss. You know, you, you have to essentially pick something to aim at. Yeah. Aim small. Yeah. Yep. So that was good. I mean, in that regard, it was a good one. Um, other things, shot process. It was interesting to me as I shot with Omar we were filming this little clip and I was like, Hey Omar, you know, give us a little rundown here to talk us through your shot process. And he was just like, all right, I'm going to look at the animal. I'm going to pull back and aim at it and shoot it. You know? Yeah. And it was like, okay, that's fine. But like, there's all these little checks yep. and, and I don't, I wouldn't say that I think about them consciously all the time, but I will last night I was up at the range shooting and I was thinking my way through it. I'm like, yeah, I definitely do. Like there's, there's grip, you know? There's stance. I always check my stance first, you know, make sure that I'm comfortable. I'm squared up.
0: Are you the guy who's digging the terrain out a little bit to make a better stance if possible? We, we
1: definitely talked about that. Um, you know, shout out Tran at born and raised. Cause I remember he talked about uh, clearing a spot. Yeah. And you when we talked to him about that, I remember thinking, yeah, everybody kind of clears out a spot just so you get your feet set and you're as staple as you can possibly be. One thing he said, I thought was really interesting that I necessarily hadn't given a lot of thought to is like, he likes to clear out any kind of sticks or twigs or vegetables. Vegetation that might potentially pop or crack mm, if he has then. to change positions, as then as a bull elk walking in, maybe he's huh. gonna have to take a step to the right. Yeah in that i mean you're not focusing on your step you're you're focusing on the animal like you're yeah looking you for want to be of what's
0: near you so if you do go over two feet are you running into a tree and now you can't draw your bow back or yeah,
1: exactly so he said what he likes to do especially calling elk in those situations is clear himself a little spot cleared of all debris so that if he does have to shift his feet mm-hmm. he's not going to step on a stick and break it and alert the animal so i thought that was a, a good little tip <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, having a shot process, I, I think, is really important. I think it's good to think about it as you're practicing, for sure. So stance, grip, super important. Um, drawing smoothly. I don't know how many people actually think about the the, uh, the process of drawing your bow. And I was thinking about it last night as I was shooting. There's sometimes I get lackadaisical when I'm at the range. I'm just drawing the bow back. You know, I'm shooting arrows. And so last night I started thinking about actually drawing my bow. What does that sound like when I'm drawing my bow? Mm. Like I'm shooting a QAD, uh, drop away rest. And as I was drawing back last night, I'm thinking, you know what? Sometimes if I draw a little bit too hard, that arrow kind of clanks a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more noisy than if I'm really smooth with it. Um, and that could be the difference between animal hearing me and busting or, you know, standing there and, and getting a shot. So, um, that's something I was thinking about. And then, you know, moving into like finding your anchor points, checking that you have your anchor points, you know, nose, uh, corner of your mouth, you know, splitting your jawline. Or if you're a guy that shoots an index finger release, you know, if you've got that knuckle kind of tucked up under your earlobe or if, you know, like Omar, he likes to put his thumb behind his neck. Um, but whatever it is, you know, anchor point, find Wait, your anchor point.
0: Are you the guy that's using a face mask ever? Or are you painting? or you just not worry about your face, so?
1: I mean, I'm hunting elk and they're pretty dumb for the most part, so I don't really worry too much about it. I love hearing that. Um, I will wear some face paint. Yeah, because
0: um, that should be taken into account if you're gonna be practicing, you know, you should practice with the face mask if you're
1: Unequivocally, wear it. your anchor point does not feel the same with a face yeah. mask on. Yeah. You, you just can't feel it. It just doesn't feel the same, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of why I like face paint if I am.
0: Yeah, I noticed that when we were, you know, we did that antelope hunt last year, mm-hmm. you, me, Neville, and... uh um, Brinker Brinker. And I was drawing back constantly in the ground blind. Cause I had, you know, mm-hmm. obviously wearing black and I put my little black, um, core lightweight hoodie Yep. on. And I was like, Ooh, doesn't feel the same. Doesn't feel the same. Doesn't feel right. Like I'm not liking that.
1: Yeah. It's hard to find your anchor point with the face mask on unless yeah. you, unless you practice it a lot. But yeah, that's probably why I, I kind of lean towards a little bit of face paint versus mm-hmm. the face mask. But I mean, that's a check that you ought to have, you know? And then, uh, you know, lining up your peep with your housing. That's like the next thing I'm checking, you know, make sure that you check your bubble. You make sure your bubble's level. And then, you know, kind of having, if you will, some sort of mantra, you know, that you focus on and kind of work through in your mind until you release breaks and you, you shoot the arrow. But, you know, I talked to Omar about it and I was like, you know, this is kind of my process and this is what I'm running through. And he's like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know, I think it's important. I think whether it's conscious and you think about it every single time, every single step as you go through or if you don't do that you know doing it for a period of time until it's pretty much just built built into you
0: yeah like even even on a rifle like like you said look at your bubble like i know yeah. i've seen a lot of people lay down their rifle and even at the range shouldn't flat ground i look i'm like hey your your, your rifle is not square right now mm-hmm. like that should be one of your checkpoints you're double checking triple checking that making sure everything is perfect before you execute the shot and it's like archery you know, to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are going on. Like you said your grip, your stance, your anchor points, bubble level. Like, are you too hard in the wall? Are you not too hard in the wall? Yeah. Like all those little things.
1: Yep. So that was that was good. Uh, a couple others that I I talked about, like I said, that we'll include in this video. Um, I would say you know shooting from a seated position or kneeling, and you know this this for me obviously I think core, sh- core strength is going to be a little bit more needed for those types of position. Cause it's a little bit awkward, you know, you're out of your element, but one thing I think, um, you, you should practice shooting from a seated position, just to see what it feel like, mm. feels like. You should practice shooting from a kneeling position to see what it feels like. And for me, kind of the point that I was thinking of when we did this video was just, um, you know, how easily can you draw your bow from those positions? Cause it's a lot harder to draw your bow from a seated position. Yeah. And, you know, I know that there were a lot of guys, shooting 80 pounds you know hmm. i don't know can you draw that bow from a seated position yep. when you've been cold you know all day i don't know but you ought to know you ought to test it you, out you ought to um i mean when we, we ran into to chris b and we were talking to him and uh we were talking we were talking draw weights you know and i think he said on his bow he's shooting like 70 some pounds hopefully he won't mind me saying that but uh I was like, oh, I'm shooting 65. I'm shooting 65 pound mods on that phase four. And he was kind of like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, it's comfortable. It's really mm-hmm. comfortable. And I know that I can draw that bow every single time. I can draw it from a seated position, kneeling. And, and again, I could get stronger, admittedly. You know, I could lift weights. I could do things to like, you know, help bump up my draw weight. But where I'm at right now, you know, I think 65 pounds is completely effective on an animal, any big game in North America, and I can draw it in all those different positions. you yeah. uh, know, I would say definitely, if you're a guy that's shooting higher poundage, it would it would behoove you to to try to draw your bow from a tree stand, sitting, or you know, kneeling. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of just one tip I was thinking about.
0: Could oh, we talk. Yeah. Could we talk about something a little controversial.
1: Sure. Let's do it.
0: What are your thoughts on? practicing long range distances and, and they, mm-hmm. maybe your thought process on, is it important to practice long range to make those closer range shots easier? Like what's, what's your thoughts there? Because I've been ripped apart a lot mm-hmm. for shooting long range with a rifle in practice. Cause people think I'm doing that all the time hunting and uh, people think you always have to justify or talk about that. You're just doing it for practice because everyone else there is watching you doing it. Mm -hmm. and thinking like that's the thing to do constantly on an animal but like is there benefit to shooting long range with the bow you can work on some things
1: yeah i think there is i have some some thoughts when it comes to long range shooting with a bow uh i hear people say all the time like oh if you shoot out to long range if you shoot 100 yards 110 yards it makes those 40 yard shots feel like a chip shot Mm I don't know if that's necessarily the case for me. I've kind of gone back in my head. I think that's, you know, maybe for people it does, maybe it tightens up. But for me, it just, I don't know if that resonates, but I can see how logically it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I will say like when you're shooting out to 100 yards, 110 yards, Uh, if you want to be accurate out to that range, I definitely have to be, you know, right and tight in my form. Everything has to work. You know, I've got to, I've got to be square. Everything's got to line up and mostly for me shooting long range, uh, I would say the biggest issue that I have personally is in my release hand. So release activation and I have to be just right to be accurate out to 100 yards with my release hand to make that go off. I feel like I can aim pretty good. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. stable through, I, I feel like I have pretty good form. So I can hold a pin and I can be pretty steady, but if I can get, can't get my release to activate and go off like I want to smoothly when I need it to, um, I can't be very accurate. So I would say shooting out the long range, I definitely have to work on my release hand, and I think it probably does indeed make me a better shot throughout ranges that are closer.
0: Yeah, because every, everything is the same except distance. Everything is like the sh- same. still should be doing that same mm-hmm. precise practice at that long range that you would do at 30 yards. Yep, yep. So you're reinforcing good habits and you're figuring mm-hmm. out what's breaking down and maybe some things then to work yeah. on.
1: Here's a little tip for shooting long range. It's something I've been thinking about. Uh, I think people, myself included, when I get out to shooting a long ways, uh, my kind of my my tendency is to over-aim. So mm, like
0: concentrating. A little I'm, bit
1: more. I'm, I'm trying to concentrate that much more. So it seems like it's harder to keep my pin in the middle. Uh, and one thing I've been thinking about is you know, you get out to long range, you might not be able to precisely aim and hold right over a spot. But if you're shooting at a, you know, a larger target, say you're shooting in a block or you have a 3D target, um, you know, don't don't focus so much on aiming at a at a spot. So like, let your pin float over kind of the, just the center. Kind of use the outline. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Is as, as your uh, your guidance, and just let your pin float over the middle. And, you know, don't focus so much on a spot, don't over aim, don't over focus, and just like let it do its thing, you know, let it flow and let that shot break. And uh, I noticed like if I go into, if if my mindset is that way, if I'm more relaxed, going into a a further shot like that, it seems like it breaks just like it would on a 20 yard shot. And it's always a better shot. So that's like one little tip. Uh, don't over aim, you know, don't, don't over complicate it when you're shooting at long range. Just let your pen float over the middle of the giant target. You know, if you yeah. can't aim at a precise spot, just let it float over the middle of whatever it is that you're aiming at. Uh, so that's a tip. Um, as far as like, I, I think you should shoot long range. I think it's, for one, it's fun.
0: It's true. It's very fun.
1: You know, two, I think you tighten up your, your form for sure. Uh, and I also think it lets you kind of know your effective range. You know, you, you'll pretty quick understand like, are you a guy that can take a shot out to 80 yards? Or are you a guy that can't ethically take a shot out to 80 yards and you to you know, probably quick. stick to 40 or 50, you know? You'll you'll learn pretty quick. So I think it's totally worth it. Um, the other thing I really like to do is I like, uh, I, and I think you should do, this is another one of my tips, and this kind of maybe works itself in it, is I think a lot of times people might, again, I keep saying myself included, cause I, I'm like, I do this shit all the time, but, uh, side in our pins. And I think a lot of us just are like, that's close enough. Mm. You know, I think we, we might side in on a dot or we might side in on a vitals on a target at home. And we're like, okay, 20 yards, that one's set, you know, 30 yards. Oh, that one hitting the vitals, that one's set, you know, but we don't, we don't really have that dialed. And so something I did just as soon as I got home, actually, just for kicks, uh, went up to the range, took a piece of tape, Laid out a horizontal line at multiple distances, and I shot each of an individual pin at each individual distance at a horizontal thin line, and I made some movements. Mm. I made some changes. Yeah. So, like right there, that told, tells me you know I didn't have my uh, my individual pins sighted in as good as I could.
0: It's a very good tip.
1: Yep. So d- definitely do that. Sight your pins in and make them as precise as you possibly can. Mm.
0: Are you a single pin guy or multi pin still?
1: Man, you know what? I've been playing this year. Uh, I've tried a lot this year. So uh started out kind of mid-summer or early summer, I guess, shooting just like my five-pen slider that I've always hunted with. Um, and then I, I got a dialed sight, which is a, a single-pen, fixed, you know, six-center pen. Yep. And then it's got a secondary pen, which I think is about a quarter-inch lower. And then it has a third pen, which is a reference. But none of those are individually adjustable. Mm-hmm. So they're essentially set. And I shot that sight – Pretty much all of June with, and I shot it at uh, at TAC this last week, and I shot it as a a single pin slider, if you will. So I was using the center pin, and I re- I like it. I really liked it. What's the main
0: benefit you see
1: for a single pin? Yep. Uh, Fill the view for one, so you don't have pins coming in from. Yeah, it's the not side. that clutter. Yeah, it's not the clutter, so you don't have the pins coming in from the side. So you have a larger field of view, which is kind of nice. Uh, you also have the ability to probably aim more precisely, so you can dial that single pen to thirty-two yards or fifty-five yards. You know, yeah. uh, kind of the reasons I haven't used it in the past is I just want things quickly. Yeah, you never
0: I, know where that elk's coming in. Yeah, and... I
1: don't know when he's coming in. I don't want to have to slide my sight, you know, last minute.
0: So what, what's going to be your strategy? You want know, those type of people that's like, oh, I'm going to set it at thirty-five yards, and I know. And elk's further, where my arrow is gonna go. If it's closer, still gonna probably hit in there. You're gonna like be that person that kind of locks in a mid range and then you'll adjust if needed. But if a bull comes in, mm-hmm. you'll hold up or low? Or how do, you, how do you work with that with a single pin on elk?
1: Uh, I think I'm gonna go back to a three pin. That's okay. What I, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm okay. just, I, I don't trust it. Yeah. Cause here's the thing is like when a bull comes in, like my mind, I it can get scrambled. Like yeah. my mind can get scrambled. Like I can get really flustered, you mm-hmm. know? And i'm trying to pick my window i'm trying to pick the best shot i'm trying to do all the things that i've talked about earlier and make the shot the last thing i want to think be thinking about is like is my pin in the right spot or if it's not in the right spot let's say i have it set at 40 yards because mm-hmm. that's like the most you know quote unquote common distance right yep. on a note, let's say i have it at 40 yards and then the bull comes in and he's at 55 and i don't really have time to move my sight. i definitely don't like the thought of like ha- thinking like, oh, where should I hold? Yeah. Like, do I hold the top of his back? Do I hold, yeah. you know, inch under his back? Like, I just don't like that. I really want to like make it as full dummy proof as possible.
0: And, and the problem I see with that too, I do this with rifle stuff. Cause back in the day I was like, oh, instead of dialing for wind, mm-hmm. I'm going to hold for wind. But the thing with my mind, cause I, I want to aim At the where end. I want to aim. So like maybe subconsciously, I'm going to pull those, crosshairs back in when I know I should be holding over, but it feels weird to hold off an animal. I could see that. So now I dial everything because I want to, I don't want my mind to, to naturally drift back in there. Mm-hmm. But other things like I used to do back in the day with like Archer's Advantage, I could like plug in like, okay, well, how, how far is it going to shoot high at this distance? How far is it going to shoot low? And then like you said, you'd set your sight at a certain yeah. distance and kind of know that, but it is you hard. Just have
1: to, you'd have to know it and you'd have to practice, have to practice it so it. much that it would actually, it would just come to your mind in the moment. Yeah,
0: because even with, my, I remember my single pin, I would just, Oh yeah, I have to hold like a couple inches high, but I would just it would drift down in there, and then I'd execute a shot when it's in the bull's eye when that's going to shoot low. Yeah, it's hard I, thing I, to practice. To I me. don't
1: mind pin gapping. Like yeah. I can pin gap. Say a bull comes in and he's forty five yards, and I've got a forty yard and a fifty yard pin. I don't mind holding gap. Mm-hmm. You know between those two, it's just that I have reference. Yeah. I know that that one's forty. I know that one's fifty. I know he's at forty five. I just gap those two and execute a shot. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mind that at all. What really kind of scares me is if I have a 20 yard or a single pin and I have it set, you know, like how much gap on either side of the pin, you know, like that messes with my mind for whatever reason. So I think I'm going to go back to a three pin and I'm going to set it up at, uh, I'll probably set it 30, 40, 50. So you think this
0: makes more sense for an elk hunter to have a multi pin where if you're just a mule deer hunter Mm -hmm. and you're, you know, chasing bedded bucks? You could probably i mean get, i i do and i don't
1: i do and i don't uh i mean i definitely think multi-pin makes sense for an elk hunter i just think there's so many situations that are just you just don't know i mean an elk could go from 60 to 40 to 30 you know mule deer i used to think that too because i think you know you're kind of your traditional spot and stock mule deer right you got a, a buck bedded you sneak in on him from above you get the thermals everything's perfect you range the buck, you wait for him to stand up and you execute a shot, right? That's it, what you hope for. That That's it, that's like, you know, that's the stereotypical, like that is it. And I can see that. And I think in those cases, like a single pin makes total sense, right? But I mean, I've seen so many clips videos i've seen and myself i've had so many situations where a buck maybe stands up and he doesn't give you a shot straight away and he feeds out another 10 yards mm, and, and then he gives you a off. shot yeah. and then what and i mean they're way more skittish than an elk yeah. it's like i don't want to superior yeah there you go i don't want to have to reach up and move my sight so in those situations i still think like I just think a multi-pin sight makes more sense in a hunting situation. I think it's great for shooting tag. It's fun to shoot precise arrows. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, going up to the range, shooting at my local range, it's awesome to have a single pin in the middle and you aim at the dot, you know? I just think in a hunting situation, for me, I really need multiple reference aiming points to feel confident. And mm-hmm. I I mean, for me, I, just, I, wanna, I wanna kill, like I wanna kill the animal, you know? And yeah. I don't want to have kind of stacking the cards I'm in dumb. your favor. I, I am like, trail, I'm a legit trail. dumb. I have to dumb this down. I have to make this easy as possible. Cause in the moment, I don't want to have to think about anything other than looking and aiming and killing.
0: Yeah. That might be why you're so successful. You don't overcomplicate things.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I I think it's, there's probably something to, I, there's something to sim- making things more simple. Yeah. So.
0: Archery is already complicated. Arch,
1: archery is. It's fun. That's why I like it, right? Mm-hmm.
0: When are you uh, switching over to broadheads in your practice oh, sessions?
1: Like now. Right now. We're yeah.
0: like, what, a month month away from archery hunts yep. for you?
1: Yep. So, I mean, I'm down here in the Vegas office today. Uh, I bought a new dozen arrows, so I'll have a couple dozen arrows. Uh, I will go home. I'll cut those, fletch them up. Uh, get everything put together, inserts the whole nine. I'll go through those two dozen arrows. I'll weigh all of them and you know spin them.
0: Making clones, as I like Making to say. Making
1: clones. Yep. So I'll I'll pick you know my my starting lineup. Ooh. And yeah. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll pick. Do you, s- you name them? <clears throat> I don't name them. I don't. I should. I've numbered them.
0: You have know, one like called like Tom Brady.
1: No, no your, I don't have Tom Brady. Your fourth my, quarter, you
0: need, my, you need a touchdown right now. You're going to use that. I, arrow? Could, do,
1: I could do like Michael Jordan, Steph Curry. Oh.
0: Steph Curry's uh, that's your long bomb. Who, who
1: <laughs> else? Before I get down to LeBron, he'd be like number ten. Oh, whoa! Eight, nine or ten. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Here we go again on, on the list. Uh, I should name him, but no, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll build out my arrows. I'll weigh them. I'll spin them. I will pick my starting lineup, and I will like this week. Well, probably not this week because we're on the road. It's 50, but next week for sure, I'll be shooting broadheads.
0: And you're shooting your arrows. You're gonna hunt.
1: I will shoot all five arrows that go into my quiver that I'm gonna pack with me with a broadhead out yep. to a hundred yards.
0: And uh if it shoots differently, what are you doing?
1: Uh well I may it depends on what it is, you know, like if it's uh if it's a noctune issue, you know, I may try knoctuning, I may turn the knock, spin the knock, reshoot it and see what it looks like. If I can get that to work out for me, it'll be just a new arrow. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I'm gonna have I'll have five arrows in my quiver. I'll have you know at least five in the car that are good to go like i know i can throw a broad head on any one of those arrows and it's going to hit where i'm aiming at you
0: ever get an arrow that you just can't get to go group where the other ones are
1: sometimes but those usually don't make like those aren't top 10 arrows anyway and i usually know it from from the jump like i know that they just don't spin true i know that just something isn't something's wonky with them
0: Yeah. So you're practicing a lot right now with broadheads this is the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, we're two weeks away. So like I, you know, I probably should have been practicing two weeks prior to this, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's time. Like you, I definitely, I want to know for sure that that arrow is going to hit the mark. I want to have like, I, it's complete confidence. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stomach the thought of like, I, I don't know how it would be. Like I could not deal going out on opening day and feeling like, man, I hope, I hope, I hate, I, I hate the hope. I want to mm-hmm. know.
0: Yeah. I saw you, uh, I can't remember where it was It either Instagram or you were commenting, someone on YouTube asked you the question about, uh, fixed first mm-hmm. mechanicals on elk. You had a really good explanation there. Explain me your, your thought process and what are you using this year for elk?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm using mechanical. So, uh, I don't know if I've told this before or not, but I is early two thousands. I shot a spike well, first, first bull, uh, first bull I ever killed. I killed with a mechanical. I shot it with a, a Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. I shot him at 49 yards, broadside, absolutely laced him. Just, he went over, died. He went 50 yards and died. It's great, great experience. Uh, next year, I was hunting spikes and I got onto the spike. I shot that spike at 55 yards and I, abs- I got no penetration. And I hit mm-hmm. him. I mean, I hit him right behind the shoulder. And I don't know what happened. I mean, I I legit don't. I don't know what happened. Uh, I know that he was with another spike. So there was the two of them. I'd see him in this drainage all the time together. I know after looking for two days, seeing his buddy. It's like I saw his buddy, but I never saw him. So I'm pretty sure that that spike died. I just could never find it. Uh, That year, I quit using mechanicals. I was convinced, like, oh, it's the mechanical, It's Always the broadhead, right? Always the broadhead. Always the broadhead. Yep. So Trust me, I, I've been there. Yeah. So I quit using mechanicals and I went to fixed blade and I shot fixed blades for all these years and I've had great luck with fixed blades. Um, the one thing I will say is I have not, I haven't got great blood trails hmm. out of fixed blades. Uh, I've always had them die within close enough proximity that I had no issue blood trailing elk. We're talking them. about elk. Elk. Yeah. Yeah. I've had no issues at all. Like, you know, finding them cause they just didn't go that far, which is I mean, that's the, the best case scenario, but if I had hit one of those animals and had to blood trail it for, you know, any real distance, I would have had a hard time following it. It just didn't bleed that great. Right. So then I went to using in uh, a sever, which is a mechanical, um, it's kind of a, I don't know if they just took the Ulmer Edge and I don't know how that all works. Yeah, You're trying to get
0: around those patents?
1: Yeah, I don't know how all that worked, but um, it's essentially the same design as the Ulmer Edge, same mm-hmm. slip. You know, I so
0: love the Ulmer Edges back in the day. Yeah, which oh is a funny. Pho- I killed so many animals with yeah. those.
1: Yeah, phenomenal broadhead, right? Uh, and I think the Sever's kind of improved upon that. I mean, you have a titanium broadhead, super straight, uh, easy to activate, easy to set up. And so, yeah, I've switched to those. So, I, you know, I shot the caribou when we went to Alaska. Last year, I shot my bull. I've, you know, killed antelope. Um, that, that antelope we shot last year with the shot, sever? Shot, yeah, shot that antelope with the sever. Uh, I shot, well, Audad, I guess, with the, with the sever. Yeah. And I've had no, like, no issues with penetration. Like, that antelope I shot, I shot from end to end. The, yeah. So I shot that antelope frontal, and the exit was at its rear end.
0: I've never seen so much blood in my life.
1: Yeah, and that thing blood like crazy, right?
0: And went, what, 20-some yeah. yards, dude. Yeah.
1: And the elk I shot last year, I shot frontal. And he ate the ate the entire arrow. Like, I don't
0: think I knew you shot that frontal. Yeah. Yeah, shot shot
1: him frontal. He ate that whole arrow. Like, and I mean, well, we we did a film for it. and It'll come out. In yeah, when's that film coming se- out? September, I, September? I believe. September? Yeah, yeah, just prior to the hunts. Get people fired up, hopefully. Oh, right?
0: I'm looking forward to that. Have you seen a cut of that yet?
1: Uh, I've seen a cut. It's pretty rough. Yeah. It's, it's a rough cut, but I'm, I'm jacked about it. Yeah. It may, makes me excited to go out. Elk hunt, elk hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, shot that bull frontal and that, that he ate the entire arrow. So, you know, 29 and a half 30 inch arrow ate the whole thing. I mean, gone. Yeah. So no issues with penetration. And again, it goes back to where you hit them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're easier to tune because there's less, less wind drag. I think you probably get less drop at distance because there's just less drag, uh penetrates great so i don't see any reason not to use them yeah um so yeah i'll be using mechanical proud of you yeah yeah thanks yeah yeah i mean i figure they fly great they penetrate great and the animals bleed great yeah and they die quick so why not that's all you want That's, that's that's all you want in a broadhead right yeah
0: so well maybe one more question what do you use for uh what's your fletch setup
1: yeah, uh, so four fletch. So yeah, I went to a four fletch, and I did that not because I—I I don't think you get better flight. I don't really think so. I think you can get great flight out of a three fletch. Mm-hmm. Depends on how much surface area you got. You know, you might have to use like a higher profile vein, but. Out of a four-fletch, the thing I do like is that it's, if I do have an area that I need to knock tune and I can turn the knock, I have like one more little reference point, right? Mm, So you basically go from, you know, three to four options to turn that knock and still have the same configuration on the string. You
0: ever tried out some crazy?
1: I've never tried no, I've like, seen some crazy. Some, some I've seen six, some, I've, <laughs> some three with some in the middle staggered. I've seen some crazy ones. You ever see the staggers? The staggered. Yeah, yeah, that one's always makes me chuckle.
0: Yeah. Didn't you didn't you find an arrow once that was really staggered? Yeah.
1: Or? Yeah. They they kind of stagger them around as you go. That one makes no sense to me. I yeah. don't I don't get that one at all. But um yeah, I'm using uh four boning heat veins, which okay. are a low lower profile, which is another potential advantage, although minimal, I would say at mm-hmm. best. Uh, so it's a little bit lower profile. The thing I like about the heat vanes is they're so stiff. They're super stiff. So they're quiet. They're quieter in flight than, you know, something like uh, a blazer.
0: You ever done any like testing on sound? Like
1: I haven't other than just like, you know, listen to people shoot other people. Yeah. Yeah. Up at tag. Just listen to people shoot by me. Mm -hmm. You know, we did have a target. We had a 25th target on the course. Last target is like a 35 yard raccoon. Yeah, or bobcat, maybe. I can't remember. Raccoon. So I shot first, you know, and there's me and a whole group of people standing there behind me. So I pull back, shoot. And then, like, up above the target, I see some movement. And then, like, I hear Cody yelling. And there's two guys up there. They're, like... 40 yards, 30 yards, right, but directly behind the target What? and they're, yeah. And they're, uh, rock, rock, rock climbers. So he has like one of those big crash pads, you know? Yeah. And Cody's like, Hey dude, you probably don't want to be walking up there. He's like, you know, there's an archery shoot going on. The guy's like, no man, we're cool. He's like, no, for real, man. Like you're about to walk like, right through the center of a whole bunch of archery <laughs> targets. Scary. He's like, no man, we're good. If we got a boulder, we want to climb. We're just headed up there. And I was just like, all right, man. Oh, really? Did they turn yeah. around and leave? Like, oh, this a good idea. Yeah, not- people were just zipping arrows right towards them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure that they probably have a good idea of what my arrow sounds like coming down range. Yeah,
0: I've always wondered, though, if, like, you know, good way to test that or like go record something or you obviously stand safely away and try to hear what it does and yeah, do a test on three, four, six. Or that's kind st- of the
1: redneck way I think is yeah. to just stand behind something and let somebody shoot past, you know, and just hear it. But I, I think when an animal, this is my opinion, I think when an animal ducks a string, I think that's what they're hearing is the arrow coming out. You don't, you don't yeah. think it's
0: like the string. You don't think it's anything else. I, I or, think
1: I think the that buzz, buzz is yeah. it's coming, especially like if you're shooting a, a fixed blade head that's vented. Mm-hmm. That one definitely makes a whole lot more noise. And then if you're shooting a like a high-profile, less stiff vein, they're noisy. Mm. They stabilize good, but man, they're noisy. And that's I th- good consideration I, though. I, I think that's what they're jumping. Mm. But I do. I still hate fletching arrows. Oh my gosh. Like today, I bought bought a dozen, bought veins, bought inserts, and everything for those. And like just knowing that I'm gonna have to sit down next week and fletch, that's you like know, build a dozen arrows. Oh, it's like oh, I hate it. Hate
0: it. Especially when you're trying to do it precise and like. Make them little clones of each other. Yeah,
1: not a fan of building arrows.
0: I used to enjoy it, and the more I, I kept anymore. doing it all the time, and then you start doing it for buddies and friends and co-workers and
1: yeah, I I don't like it, but it's a necessary evil because I do like shooting them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, I mean that's it. That's kind of it. You excited like, for the season though? I am excited. I uh I haven't really bow hunted. I mean, we've been on some deer hunts, you know what I mean? I bow hunted deer. I killed some coos deer and stuff with a bow. But, like, I haven't done, like, a real hardy get-after-it archery deer hunt in a long time. And I've got two tags this year. I'm going to pick up an elk tag. And, you know, I've been talking to Neville. I think he and I are going to run to Colorado and just do some, do some chasing for a week. So I'm, I'm like... I think I would say even though last year I had some good tags and this year I've got a good tag in Nevada, but I, I'm i as excited this year as I've been a really long time just to get out and chase. So it's fun, man. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited to see your season goes. Like Yeah, same. I've been enjoying the uh, Trail Needs an Elk Tag series. Oh, yeah,
1: I bet. <laughs> so if you, if, you guys <laughs> have, if you guys
0: haven't checked that one out on YouTube, yeah. you should definitely go through there. Trail's giving away some... Some good little secrets and tidbits and trail does need an elk tag
1: trail's gotta have an elk tag i can't go when, when,
0: when's the last time you went without an elk tag i don't remember yeah Set yeah i, I
1: literally don't remember i yeah. think i've had an elk tag pretty much every year for i don't know it's, it's probably 20 years i'd bet i don't know 15 20 years
0: you ever considering going to some of these like crazier states
1: pennsylvania no,
0: no. <laughs> yeah no, the state, i mean the states we don't talk about very washington? often. washington yeah washington Oregon. Oregon.
1: Not not seriously. Not seriously? No. You don't I'm have s- a
0: bug to... Just, to Go tr- do it? Try something new in a new state and... I do, but maybe not for. It's far for us. Yeah, it's, it it is it's is. a
1: long ways. I mean, Montana is kind of like the white whale for me, which is it's stupid because there's so many people that go to Montana, and we have a ton of buddies that live in Montana and hunt mm-hmm. elk up there. You know, it's a phenomenal elk state. Yeah. Uh, for me, I've only ever hunted elk there one time, and it wasn't the best experience, to be honest. So it's yeah. like that thing out there. Like I know it's a great elk state. I know they have some good bulls. So that's definitely one I would like to pursue in the future. Just see some new country. You yeah. Know? Wyoming's always on my bucket list. Uh, try to go there maybe next year. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I think I was talking to Neville. I think I don't think we're going to film. I think we have elk hunts figured out as far as films go for this next year. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'll have a camera guy with me this year. But if that's the case, I think that'll be like the first time in eight or nine years that I, probably like eight years, seven or eight years that I haven't had a camera guy.
0: Does your strategy change?
1: No, man. Go harder. Go harder? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd go on my own, you know, me and Neville split up and just go our different ways till we turn the elk That up. is kind of fun. You oh, know? It's, I'm I'm
0: stoked. Yeah, it's been a long time since I haven't, you know, done some true solo stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I try to do, I did one last year, I love it, but yep. there is something to be said about just going out there by yourself. Every decision's your own.
1: Yep. Those are my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I love a film and I love to go back and like watch a film and share, it's fun to share it with people. Yeah it's it's cool to you know like when this one comes out and in september i mean it's it's cool just because i get excited you know and i hope i hope people watch it and they like get excited to go elk hunting uh but like when i think back some of the my most cherished elk hunting experiences has just been like me in 10 days you know just trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. so I'm, i'm pumped you pumped i'm excited yeah Good. I'm, I'm really excited for this. Season. We call this episode the Stoke. The Stoke. <laughs> the Stoke is high. Yeah.
0: We I mean we talked a lot of a lot of different random things in the podcast, but I think it was really good. We you know we touched on archery. Art, obviously, archery yeah. season's coming up really quick, and you know you got some good tags, and I'm really excited to see how you do. And hunting season's here, man.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, there's some tips that help people. And like I said, we'll do a video with some more tips. We did the, a little tip of target, so look for that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And and hopefully it'll help somebody tag out on a big buck or a big bull.
0: And if you don't have tags, there's still options out there.
1: Yeah. Insider. Yeah. Yeah. You can join Insider. Uh, I think people, I don't know. I mean, seasonally, when we we look at our numbers for like when people sign up for Insider, I mean, it would make sense that a lot of people sign up like, you know, December, January timeframe, because you really do dive into like application season from January to like June. And it seems like this time of year, you know, potentially the, you know, the, the stoke isn't quite as high because I think people could just think like, oh, there's nothing left. Nothing like, like yeah. that. That's the kind
0: of mentality a lot of people have. Yeah, I
1: think, I think it's the, and it's exactly that. I think it's a mentality. I think it's a misnomer. I don't think it's correct. I think no, there's it's still a ton of opportunity. I mean, we were talking earlier, you said, you know, you look at the turn back list for Idaho, you do articles on that. Yep. I saw one drop last night, which was uh, the secondary, or not secondary, but the, the turn back uh, list in Nevada. Yeah, it the just first, come, up. For serve, first yeah. come, first yep. serve. I did an
0: article on that the week prior, and I refreshed it yesterday because mm-hmm. that opened up on the 24th. And I actually saw two archery antelope tags. They're resident ones because they switched sure. that this year. So yep. if the resident turns in, it's resident only. If non-resident turns in, it's for non-resident only. But there was archery antelope tags this morning. I saw an archery antelope tag. Yesterday, there was a cow elk yeah call a a tag for archery. so there's opportunities to be had out there you just got to you got to know how to do it i know how to do it and that's like yeah we work and go hunt and Mm -hmm. we but we use insider all the time like you are literally in the boat right now we're thinking a lot of other people are they might not have an Mm -hmm. archery elk hunt and you're planning to get a tag based on the tools we offer and there is opportunities there's a lot of opportunities in the states these turn back lists colorado leftover day
1: Idaho, Idaho turn back. Like Idaho turn back. Idaho over the counter which opens August first, which is in a few days.
0: Yeah, people people missed out on now the uh, Montana's mm-hmm. um, Montana's Same. process, but you know there's there's tags to be had.
1: There's definitely tags to be had, and I mean even if even if you have your season set up. I mean, it's a great time to just start exploring. You never know when a good tag might pop up, too. Yeah, and get to know, you know, for next year, plan ahead. You know, make sure that you get a chance to go hunting. So, yeah, sign up for – and maps. Yeah. I mean, we're doing a ton of map work. You know, we're looking at – I'm, I'm after last week with Mark, I'm definitely going down rabbit holes with e-scouting and and our map. So yeah, now still a great time to sign up. And then, I mean, it's essentially it's gear season also. So we're, we're putting together. I couldn't tell you how many bow sights I've had on my bow in the last I've had a lot. Tinkering. Yeah. Tinkering, definitely tinkering. And we have a ton of archery stuff. Like I said, building arrows when I get home. So, you know, if you sign up for an insider account, you're going to pay the, what the one fifty, one forty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh if you sign up using the promo code podcast, which is ours, use that one. I don't know. There's probably a lot of there's there's other promos out there, but there's really only one that matters and its, it's podcast. Promo code podcast. <laughs> but yeah, sign up and we're gonna give you fifty points, which is fifty bucks back in the Go Hunt gear shop. You can use it to buy broadheads, veins, fletchings, arrows, whatever you need.
0: I've been playing a lot with tripods lately. Oh, have you? Yeah, we have a lot of new tripods in the gear shop. I've been I've been tinkering with them, testing them all out. Yeah, and we got the, the new Tricer. Yep. The Asiak. Yep. Like, there's a lot of other ones coming. Like, playing with different heads, using some different lightweight optics, using my obviously my heavy you know Swaro stuff. Trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and some of these like summer scouting trips, I use a little bit different gear than I will in the fall. Kind of using summer to test other pieces of gear, like you're doing. Like, it's a fun time of year. Like,
1: yeah, I was telling Cody Nelson. Like for a long time, it was just kind of the same tripods. Yeah. And like the last year, it's, it's really amazing. It's really blown up in that space. And the cool thing about it is, it's been specific to the hunting market. Yeah, you're seeing hunting companies making hunting tripods, you know, yeah. and heads. So it's been been really cool.
0: Yeah, we're in the golden golden days of uh, gear. I mean, yeah, it's pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah. So use your points, buy some gear.
0: Yeah, all those new, uh, you know, Sika launched. A bunch yeah. of new stuff, Intercept
1: too. new I was out I was out fondling. The, those pants uh,
0: those pants have your uh
1: name. Have my on name them. all over them, yeah. The intercept pant. And yeah. then uh yeah, the new merino wool pieces feel great, different weights. So yeah.
0: yeah, it's a great time of year and
1: podcast, use the promo code. There you go, Trail. Okay.
0: Good plug. Thanks. I appreciate you, boss. That was <laughs> that was a fun one. We'll uh catch you all on the flip side. By the time we come back, I'll have uh hopefully shot in works. Yep. Looking we should, forward. We Look,
1: should eat maybe next time when you get back. We'll eat an orc steak on on uh, the podcast. Should we? Yeah, get a little. We like, should do a taste testing.
0: Yeah, we should. Nobody's eating get, it. Get a little grill right here on the table. I love it. All right. Write get, that down. <laughs> write that down. Content as <laughs> Well, appreciate the trail. <laughs>